Hi everyone! If you like what you've been hearing, please consider subscribing to the Patreon at patreon.com backslash Hegelbon. That's H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. The Patreon's really the lifeblood of the podcast. It lets me dedicate the time that I need to play the games, to talk to our guests, to really set everything up and, and make everything as sharp as it is. Um, without it, uh, no cartridge really wouldn't exist the way it does today. If you don't like monthly pledges, I totally get it. Uh, there's also paypal.me backslash Hagelbon, and we can try and figure something out there. Or you can email me at nocartridgeaudio at gmail.com. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, and I will try and answer your emails as quickly as I can. Thanks so much for your support, and enjoy the show. Audio. Uh, my name is Trevor Strunk. Hey, go on Twitter. I guess we should introduce this thing. And uh, with me, you may recognize the voice if you are a longtime listener of the show or even a, a short time listener of the show. Uh, we have back in the studio of uh, the state of Pennsylvania, Mr. Scott Benson. Hi, I'm, I'm hey. back for my 12th appearance. <laughs> How many times have I been on, actually? I think this is the fourth time you've been on. Okay, yeah, but the second time was a two parter. Yeah, you. I, well, I think two of the times were two parters. Really, or should have been at least should've the first been. one should have been because that was like an hour and forty five minutes, and I remember people being like, "This is great! I can't listen to an hour and forty five minute long <laughs> just, podcast." Just pause it, okay? It's like I it's... challenge you to do it. <laughs> it's like it's a good idea. <laughs> it's an endurance test. <laughs> um, the also that one, I think that first one we did a bonus up thing too yeah that was supposed which to be was like also 20 like minutes, minutes and it was like 45 minutes or an hour yeah yeah that was that was talking about like punk rock and stuff yeah so oh yeah we talked about the bouncing souls and stuff yeah uh, that was good the bouncing souls uh one of one of my favorite in the soul series <laughs> that's so, a segue yeah that is a segue because we are we are talking today about the uh Something that a lot of people talk about Souls likes, but uh, very few people talk about Ur Souls games. And, you know, I, I apologize to all the King's Field fans in the audience, but today we're going to be talking about what I think is often considered the uh, the Ur Souls in uh, Demon Souls, uh, which briefly got some fame because recently because the servers finally went offline. Yeah, Everyone had a lot of fun thinking I, about I, it. I felt a little bit of sadness in my heart. Like, yeah. It was a shame. <laughs> It's just like it's something something beautiful from in the world is is gone. The world is emptier now. It was it was interesting do it was interesting playing because uh, I hadn't played the game until then. Like I I had kept putting it off. Oh yeah, or, you like, just I played had it recently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, this is very fresh. And, yeah, and I never I didn't have a PS3 for a really long time. So like the, it was definitely it missed me on the first go around by a lot. And then like I played I played Dark Souls before I played Demons. Um, which I think a lot of people did. I think that's uh, definitely the experience. Demon's Souls yeah. has, has maintained kind of a niche 
like kind of cult classicness, whereas Dark Souls became, you know, this era defining thing. Yeah, Dark Souls is, I mean, that's a juggernaut in a lot of ways. And like Demon Souls really still feels sort of like for the fans. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like that. It feels a lot like if you like a band and, um, you know, you, you pick up, in my experience, it would be this, but in your experience, you were there from the beginning. But like, for me, it'd be like I picked up their album that got big and then I went back and bought their first album in the EP. Mm-hmm. Like Demon Souls is definitely the first album in the EP. Uh, it's it's rougher, but it's sort of like it's kind of more charming for all that. Um, yeah, like it's one of those things where it's like I don't know if it's better, but it's its own animal, and it's 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 yes. just a beautiful. It has a beautiful weirdness that the other games in the series don't quite have as as much in the same way. Like it's well, this weird, yeah. unstable, bizarre, but very heartfelt game. Um. Yeah, of part of part of that's part of that I think is 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 the lore, um, which I, I mean we're going to probably talk about. Now I don't have a lot of uh, I don't have a lot of like specific points about the lore, but just how the lore is is mobilized in this game mm-hmm. as opposed to Dark Souls even. Um, but it was interesting, like my experience playing this. Like I really I was talking to a friend about this the other day. Um, you know, we both had planned to play it, and my friend was like, "I couldn't. Like, it just felt like a job. I, I couldn't. I couldn't do it under pressure." Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, "Yeah, you know, I actually felt the same way. Like, I playing a Souls game under pressure is um, awful. Yeah, that's no uh, fun. Yeah, because part of it is just like living in that world and dying over and over and mm-hmm. again, and like, you know, just not worrying and about you, it. You really have to soak it up. Like, you have to kind yeah. of like you have to lose yourself in the moment." <laughs> you own it. You gotta never let it go. That's from the Dark Souls movie Eight Mile. Yeah, that's, that's, that's <laughs> Dark Souls is the Eminem origin story. Um, but I, I, so I played through. I, I rushed through to the point of the uh, the Mad Monk, basically, so okay. I could play the one boss level. Uh, it isn't a spoiler anymore because you can't get it. But the the boss level in one of the one of the paths is. Um, the final boss basically it summons another player and it's pvp uh yeah that's the end of latria yeah 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 and it's a cool battle it's 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 pretty fun um and now when it happens it just spawns uh it it spawns a um uh just like the same bot over and over and I, i think that's actually the one i played i think you could get the bot even when the um the servers were up just if, if no one was available yeah. uh, you, you'd get it or if you were disconnected if you were playing right. offline yeah uh but i played a couple of people i almost beat a couple i lost it was very souls like pvp experience which mm-hmm. is to say i was bad at it um it's it's way less fair in in it is way harsher in demon souls too because it's, of it's or, brutal because of some of the equipment this like yeah. that is available and that will just destroy your armor like and destroy your weapons like there were and it was way if i remember correctly it's way harsher than it is in dark souls like just the equipment can just utterly dismantle your character well yeah and it 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 really like it feels more like a game that has different classes and you can play in different ways but like in Dark Souls, you know, if you play a uh, a knight or like a sort of like um, you know high damage, like a high sort of like attack or, or strength character or some or dexterity character, it's very different than playing a magician. Mm-hmm. Whereas like in Demon Souls, any of the PvP I got into, even if they did spells or whatever, if you got up close to them, 
they would have a weapon that would dismantle your armor. <laughs> like it was yeah. all the same thing. It's not it as balanced brutal. as no. a lot of Dark Souls was. Like, although I think that the classes in um, so in in Dark Souls, Pyro is kind of like the accepted like user friendly uh, one to start with because yeah. you basic you have these grenades more or less you start with the hatchet which is pretty good and um then you can eventually get these pretty devastating aoe attacks and um the one in demon souls which i love is is the royal uh because you get a magic wand and it uh and it um and it casts like kind of like a little magic missile type thing and that can one shot or close to it a bunch of enemies right off the, the bat so you don't have to get close at all and you which can just, is huge yeah so that's like if you're ever going to play it like that is if you just want to get your feet wet and check it out like and it's actually a fun way to play through the game i think too i'm definitely not one of those people who's like well you got to play in the most like masso core like no. type thing to really get a feel for it like um but the uh um but it is it, it is like i think a super fun way to play it but it, that is like the more user friendly version because you don't have to get close. And I think one of the fir- the things about that game that was really amazing when it came. So my my experience with it was, I got it like right after it released in two thousand nine, okay. like fall two thousand nine, just because I saw a um, I saw maybe it was a game trailers review of it. Um, you know, it, 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 they probably had some sort of like. Uh, you know, some sort of pun because they would always do the the game trailer thing was would always be, you know, like is Demon Souls heavenly or is it from hell or something? It would be right, some sure. sort of like is it blah in, in a good way or blah in a bad way? And somehow this would be like a pun or a play on the title or the theme of the game or something. It's like the Jonathan Frakes Fact or Fiction show, uh, where like you'd say, I, "Did you never see that?" No, I haven't. What is? Oh, that? it's on Netflix. You really should watch it. Um. Yeah, uh, basically Jonathan Frakes introduces all the tales, but they're these sort of like pseudo Twilight Zone tales that are maybe like seven or eight minutes long. Uh-huh. Uh, there's three an episode, and you have to guess if they're true or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'll always introduce them, uh, and he'll say like, "You have to figure out if this tale, like if it's about I don't know a car, if this tale is uh-huh. uh, is fast and furious, mm-hmm. or um, only running at twenty miles an hour." Like he'll <laughs> he'll come up with like, or like, "Is this is this tale hot?" Or did we just use all the hot water? Like yeah, it's you know, like basically it was that increasingly tortured examples. Yeah, so yeah. basically that. Um, uh, but anyway, yeah. So you saw the trailer. So I saw the trailer, and uh, it, I, and I, then I think I saw like an old giant bomb quick look, uh, mm-hmm. and um, and the the game trailers review, and I was like, oh, this looks cool and interesting. And part of the reason it looked interesting was. Like, so Dark Souls somehow got the reputation that everyone should play it, mm-hmm. right? That, like, oh, you got to play Dark Souls. Oh, you're not good enough to play Dark Souls or all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, it became, like, a challenge, basically. Yeah. Whereas Demon Souls, like, no one knew what the fuck this thing was. And so it's, its difficulty became part of what it was, but it was also, like, not pushed, like, this is something that you the regular ass player should care about. It was niche. Like people understood that this is a weird little game mm-hmm. and, and stuff. And when demon souls or when dark souls dropped it, like uh, two years later, it was kind of already a different kind of uh, 
uh, mood in the industry. But in 2009, we were right off of things like Fable 2. And we were Which off is a of, deeply easy game, but like a game yeah. that sort of, I mean, it focuses on something totally different than, I don't know, get good kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. There was a... Um, we had talked a lot about accessibility, like not in the sense of like when we talk about accessibility these days, as far as like people who have kind of different abilities or who are kind of working with different um, either limitations or different scenarios, you know, their ability to play games. It was the idea of uh, people talking about, well, death in a game is a design problem. It's a design error. Like if you have death in your game, then that means that you have failed as a designer. That it was like it was never quite that much, and it's not like you know hard games were ever in danger or anything. But that was kind of the thing. Like, and, and but the, I've heard that argument before for sure. Like, I mean, yeah. it's like it's one of those arguments that says like if you if you're forcing your player to play something just to play it over and over again, then you failed as a designer because it should be it should be organic. They should be getting yeah. a story. I mean, meanwhile, like the where, millions like, of players that really, yeah. Meanwhile, the millions of players who actually enjoy that kind of thing—they're just—I don't know what's wrong with them. Of course, like it's <laughs> this yeah, kind who, of weird. Who could pres- enjoy that? It's this weird prescriptivist type of thing, uh, and um, so like, yeah, like you had like Peter Molyneux and other people being like, "Oh yeah, like death or anything like that is kind of a design error." And I liked Fable too. Like, I think games like that are really cool and stuff, but I don't think that's like that is the goal that that is progress quote unquote to, to make a game like that. Um, this is also like when the Wii had come out and Nintendo's kind of general marketing of, well, this is a, this is a system for everyone. Yeah. Or like any, every single person can play it. You know, I mean, if you have a lot of motor skills, of course, and you can stand and swing your arms around, uh, you know, everybody, uh, as you said, not accessibility as we mean it now. In, yeah, uh, necessarily. As as frustrating and uh, ex- exclusionary as that may sound. Yeah, one hundred percent, and and all that, and and there is there is definitely something to be said about difficulty levels ex- themselves being an accessibility thing. And I actually really like how games like God of War did this, the most recent God of War, and I know Uncharted and a few other games have done it where it was like, oh, we're going to take out sections that require a lot of really fast button mashing and replace it with something else where if you are just not in a place where you can mash a button that quickly um, for whatever reason, uh, personal or environmental or whatever, um, or just preference, you can hold it instead. Um, Yeah. And I thought that that was pretty cool. And um, yeah, that was smart. I mean, there's like, there's a lot of those like Assassin's Creed did that too, where like, okay, look, like we're just gonna, uh, we're just gonna have everything look really cool and you don't have to like, master a control system in order to make this happen you just get to enjoy parkour yeah and like i think those are cool i play a lot of games on easy mode and all that but at the time i feel like the discourse around it was really clumsy and yeah given in like the wake of the wii being really really popular uh popular in a lot of ways because a lot of people like my parents bought it played wii sports result resort maybe guitar hero and then never touched it again um (laughs) type of thing um, I mean, yeah, <laughs> like, well, um, yeah, it was supposed to be like, oh, cool. Now we can exercise with this. And like, just like everything Nintendo put out at that period of time, it was like, 
yeah, I guess like I can use my DS to help keep my brain alert. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm, I'm done now. I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah, well, you know, there's like uh, for what I understand, I mean, I'm just talking in like the like the way it was in a, like the US. But yeah, it would be all like those like stories from like Newsweek. It's like senior citizens across the world or like across <laughs> America are playing 3DS. And I'm like, I, oh, maybe I don't probably not like they're probably like. If they're they're all play playing Venetian Megami Tensei. Yeah, like just <laughs> yeah, that, that kind of thing. It's it's like, and this is before like you know now all that talk is out the window just because people have phones. This is like right around right. when smartphones arrived too, which was the way more user friendly, way more built for people's lives type of thing. Uh, you know, uh, so like, which is again not to take anything away from what Nintendo was doing at that point or since. Um, I'm saying this because and people will get mad at me about if I criticize Nintendo. Oh, yeah. I mean, this it's is how like, it I, is. Yeah, no, I mean, people love Nintendo. And and for good reason. I mean, I grew up with Nintendo. Oh, me My too. first oh, systems were Nintendos. I mean, yeah. it means a lot to me. I but 100% like, same. Yeah, yeah. But I think, like, I think there is a narrative around what people were saying about Nintendo at that time that rings false now. Where, yeah. like, you know, and it, it, it ties in with the Molyneux thing where it's like, oh, you know, we figured out the best way to tell video game narratives and we figured out the best way to sort of, like, um, make video games fun for everyone. And, like, now video games are sort of, like, they're going to become a new thing. And it feels like even – you're right. Like, even two years after Fable 2, that kind of utopian dream of games was over. Um, And it was just, like, it was sort of, like, back to the old version of games. Just, like, Mm -hmm. you know, people who wanted that are now just, like – would download candy crush on their phone or something yeah so like um i think that that was that was part of a general idealism i i idealism around games like we've talked about this elsewhere before but kind of like a general idealism around games as this transformative thing that like games will become like you know the marker of progress in this like new century we're in it'll be like uh, they'll be kind of like the media for everyone um you know, and, and that kind of thing. And I think that like probably coincided somewhat with that kind of late aughts, like kind of technocratic mm. solutionism that we now see as like this world destroying force. <laughs> hey, wait, like, wait, um, hold on. You, I, you don't want to get in trouble with certain sections of Twitter. That's true. That's true. Um, <laughs> Elon Musk names. invented Maybe it's, video games. Yeah. Elon. I, I had someone, I made a joke about Elon Musk and someone came in and, start, and kind of defended him, and then I think backed off, and I was like, oh, dodged a bullet. <laughs> Guy gets so mad. Elon Musk Twitter doesn't like me very much, uh, which is a shame. I'm not trying to, you know, ruffle feathers. Most of most of the sucks. good friends, both you and Hazel, who are, uh, if, if yeah. nothing else, friends of No Cartridge, um, Hazel, are, are the very ball. much hate. Yeah, she's great. Um, but you're both very much hated by Elon Musk Twitter. It's great. Um that's uh you know someone listening to this in like 50 years on like elon musk's like personal mars kingdom can be like oh we, we, i gotta hide this podcast or else i'm gonna be sho- shoved out of the airlock or something man i hope but, I, like, I hope i have a a uh, a podcast that's apple state in 50 years that would be really good <laughs> that um, would be basically my most successful life <laughs> we've all become like video game like you know elon musk uh the, the muskites <laughs> or whatever are like are rounding up the heretics oh man that would um, rule okay anyway go they're ahead. all like epic win <laughs> I'm dreaming now epic win uh but flying in space in my x-wing 
The, a, lot of, uh, a lot of stuff's changed. <laughs> oh, those, oh, those, oh, those halcyon days when we could just joke about Elon Musk. But like, um, so like the other thing about like you know both Fable and the Wii and like a kind of a bunch of other stuff that was going on at that point was that they were rightly reacting to a very exclusionary culture um, right. in games, like in the way that they're marketed, like who they're quote unquote made for. Um, that kind of thing that we still see today, although I think that that even has changed a lot. Um, but, you know, back then it was like the edge, the end of this like grim, dark, like, you know, period in, uh, you know, in games, they were having their like, well, we're edgy teens now period that started, I guess, with maybe the PS one and, uh, well into like the Xbox and the Xbox 360. You know, yeah, and the PS2 was sort of like a version of that that you could get into if you like sort of like – I mean that was sort of the distinction between the Xbox, three, the Xbox and the PS2 where like the PS2 was the one that you got if you sort of liked anime and the Xbox was the <laughs> one you got if you sort of liked guns. Um, and yeah. if you liked both, you'd get both. And that, yeah, like, that was definitely was the, all the cultural understanding of it. It was like one yeah. was like – I mean but the thing is they were both the Grand Theft Auto machines, so – you That's know. true. Yeah, um, once Grand Theft Auto came out, then I mean the game was changed. But like, um, so, so like, it, it was an interesting time culturally. I think in in games where there were really good reasons for the push for this kind of friendlier and more accessible in the sense of like one day your grandmother will be playing Dragon Age, not because your grandmother <laughs> likes RPGs, but because we're gonna make a we're gonna work on what we feel is. A, the grandmother friendly game design or something which is <laughs> right. its own kind of like whatever like i do remember people at that point going like someday we're gonna make them so accessible that that women will try video games and it was like I, you've you've gone past woke into a bad place here um but like <laughs> women <laughs> women um so um yeah so uh, there, there was all that stuff around that point and i liked a lot of those games like i enjoyed fable 2 um i had fun with the wii um all that, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, that kind of thing would lead to things like the connect, which kind of didn't go, uh, a lot of places. Although real quick, uh, I saw connect in action last year. Um, Whoa, really? Because we Where? went <laughs> in a, <laughs> this is the best thing ever. Uh, we went to, there was like one of those, like, you know, ghost hunter TV shows, you know, yeah. like everyone like brings their like bullshit like apparatus to go like hang out in like some old like asylum or something. Yeah, we went EMP. to an old we went to an old abandoned hospital where oh. they were having one of those events where several teams of these ghost hunters that go on like TV were there and they cool. were like you know they're like come and we'll we're gonna go and do EVP you know readings and go and like all this stuff and like you know whatever and you, you were opening it to the public and it cost like 70 dollars a piece to get in or something and uh or maybe more good job and, going. yeah it was super great and so like because bethany and i are kind of big explorers of like old ruined stuff like it's just kind of a fun thing we do all the time like kind of like finding weird stuff out in the woods like finding like abandoned mines and old stuff that we're just into the history we're into the kind of like spooky fun of discovering these places and it's learning a great about couple them. thing and uh, oh yeah no that's like that is something that is very very much a part of our lives and so we have like an encyclopedic knowledge of like random broken hidden shit out in the middle of central and western PA uh, woods if you ever need cool. to see an old mine i can take you to one out oh i might well let's do this off air i don't want to ruin the mines. mile north of heshbon so like but <laughs> one of the things that they use um now is 
a thing that is like hooked up to like a computer or whatever that like detects and they're like oh it's like a special camera that sees something that just made up something and like spectral energy or forms or something that aren't necessarily detectable to the human eye and what it is is it's a connect and it's you know the connect will show kind of like you can hook it up to like show kind of like a wireframe of like a like a person that is de- that is detecting because like that's how these things right. work it would like you know detect your basic like proportions and be like oh here's kind of the general wireframe of where this person is but it can be really imprecise particularly if you're in a room with a lot of noise or there's like random stuff around or there's people walking around and it can sure. look really weird and it's also pretty easy to fake it from what i understand and so like they um had one of these but they didn't call it a connect it's it's like the spirit something or whatever and oh, i'm standing good. in this room with a bunch of people and i'm like holy shit is that a connect <laughs> and yeah it was a connect hooked up to a to a laptop and people were like looking at like the little like skeleton wireframes that were popping up and being like holy shit it's a ghost <laughs> <laughs> it was one of the best video game and, and like culture colliding related moments I have ever experienced. Like, when you said, is that a connected, they usher you out of the room immediately. I, well, I whispered it to like our friend Brit was there and Bethany was there. I'm like, holy shit, that's a connect. Bethany was like, oh my God, it is. Uh, and yeah, like, so that's, that's like the kind of aftermarket that the connect has in, enjoys now. It is hot commodity with like, you know, the kind of like, snake oily like bullshit ghost hunter people like well i'm sure they're making a lot of new ones so they're definitely getting a profit off that. <laughs> oh yeah certainly but like um but so like the connect and other things that kind of like came off of this period of this idea that we're going to change gaming in uh, a way to um to make it kind of like if we just like it's the controller that's putting people off you know so, and so somehow right. hooking up this thing where you have to do like windmill motions to like move <laughs> the menu that's gonna make grandma and women want to play it you know like women that kind love of thing. to exercise that is just true about women in <laughs> they, our society they all have yoga constantly <laughs> um they uh they love but, calm movements yeah they do they all have a pilates uh, bench, uh, but anyway, <laughs> so, like, yeah. the, the, um, the, the, this is me at like E3, like 2010 being like women do Pilates. <laughs> that is a fact. Um, you'd have a, you'd have a keynote if you were at, uh, E3 2010 and you were just like, uh, women do Pilates, but where do video games come in? <laughs> and like every, everyone like applauds as you like unveil the Pilates game that you've made. I'd have to like mispronounce it. Women do pilates. <laughs> pilates. pilates. Does this have to do with Pontius? Um, <laughs> yes, in the Bible. Anyway, so like, <laughs> um, so now it's what's funny is that when we talk about accessibility, we often mean it rightly as can people who do not have the ability to make the movements possible for this actually accomplish this? Yeah. Back then, we meant in the sense of how do we make it friendlier. Now, like, when we talk about accessibility and things like this, we're talking about, like, you know, the actual depictions of people, the actual culture around it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, what is actually... Uh, understanding that, uh, yes, actually women like games that are difficult sometimes and, like, aren't just coming in... People who play games, you know, who want to just play, like, something that's kind of casual and clicky uh, will just play it on their phone or something. So, like, now we're... we're I think we have a, a much more nuanced and interesting and, I think, more helpful version of it. But at the time, it was kind of the first like little pushbacks against both. It was a, it was evidence of both kind of I think a somewhat wrong headed marketing based 
thing of like, well, we need to increase our our user base uh, and kind of like a little bit of maybe late aughts idealistic like tech solutionism, consumer tech solutionism yeah, type thing. Definitely. A- very Apple product E. And uh but also it was good because it was pushing back against this more regressive, more like like um uh, exclusionary vision of games in this in their kind of grim dark teen stage. So into all of this comes Demon Souls, a game that just fucking falls out of the sky and is like you start playing and the game's like, hey fuck you. <laughs> like yeah. We're going to kill you immediately. And this this first level, Bulletaria 1, which is incidentally my favorite level in all video games. Really? Uh, Bulletaria 1 is, I think, a masterpiece. And I don't it think really I've played anything that, has, that has, has accomplished what that level accomplishes before or since. I don't think I've played anything like it. So explain how. So... When I, so when I, when I say like that, so Demon Souls makes this intention clear really early as far as like the much vaunted difficulty of it goes. Like the tutorial ends almost certainly with, with you dying to the, to the boss that it just throws at you very unfairly. Yeah, um, if you played, I mean, it's, if it's you an played, absolutely deep, impossible boss. Yeah, like you can beat it, and some people do beat it first time. A lot of people beat it like their second or third time through the game. Because just about everyone I know who played Demon Souls a lot has played it like six times in a row. Sure, um, I've I have gotten up to the as you know far as the new game pluses will take you. Uh, but um, <laughs> no more. Uh, You're yeah. done now. <laughs> just stop. Um, so, um, and it kills you. And like that was kind of the thing. They're like, oh, it's a tutorial that kills you. And it's like it does, but it like it's just transitioning you. That's like the the chapter break or whatever. But they don't make it. Like you know, like a maybe like a JRPG battle you're supposed to lose or something. It's right. it's a it's a battle you could win if you want to keep chipping away at them. And Dark Souls would take this and I think make that more of a learning experience where it's like, no, you this seems insurmountable, but we're going to give you the tools to do this and get, allow you to train up to it. Um, yeah. Whereas Demon Souls was just a giant fuck you at the beginning. Like it really is, and like it's it's something that like. So once for me with Demon Souls, I, I played that beginning quite a few times, and mm-hmm. then like something else would happen, and I'd be like, "Well, I have to play the beginning again." I'm not when I would restart. I'd be like, "I just want to start from the beginning again," and I'd get a little bit into Boletaria Castle, and then I'd be like, "Well, okay, I gotta like I gotta go back," and like it, it, it was just like it was a lot of recursion, but it did always feel like once you got into so like once you die because you do die in that first bit, like one way or another. Uh, you can beat the boss. Uh, oh, and then, like, the dragon god, I think, shows up and just kills and, you in a cutscene. Yeah, exactly. Like, you, you, you'll you die either way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and then you end up in uh, in the Nexus. Mm-hmm. And, like, once you end up in the Nexus, especially if you played a, a Souls game before, it's like, okay, wait, my HP is halved, my magic's halved, my vitality's halved. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, so, I'm dead and can't be resurrected, I guess and uh i don't know what's going on here there are six doors and it's like or five doors and it's like okay at that point it's such a it's such a moment where you're just like i don't know i am so lost and Mm -hmm. it's just a cool kind of being lost though because it's like well i mean there are doors i guess i'll go through those and see if i find anything more and you can always go forward yeah and that's kind of the so like once you go through, you, you talk to the fucking, like, maiden in black who's like, so, you know, hello, I am the maiden in... Well, what is the accent she's doing? I, I think it's... 
oh man i want to say it's ukrainian almost it's maybe something like that like we're showing our ignorance here but she's doing some accent well yeah Um, and the the uh, the voice acting is uneven i would say in as as it is in most from games um yeah i will say patches the hyena brings it um (laughs) every time and uh and that sad soldier uh oh crestfallen warrior yeah yeah he always always brings it too yeah Um, definitely they Um, both bring it as you'd expect and then um I think the I think the guy who plays uh, uh, oh I forget his name um, I've read the books and I forget his name even because I haven't thought about him in a while but the the sort of sailor the Onion Knight in uh, Game of Thrones I'm pretty sure he plays the uh, the guy who keeps all your materials uh, a stockpile really he plays stockpile yeah. Thomas I, I'll look it up to make sure but I'm pretty sure uh, that's he amazing. Does. Um, um. But yeah, but like some of it, like the Maiden in Black, it's just like okay, they just hired the first person they could because they ran out of money. <laughs> oh my god, her her voice and like some of the like soul of the mind, like that is so like Eat it, life's ether. <laughs> it is totally. It reminds me of Kate Beckinsale's amazing accent in Van Helsing. Oh yeah, no, that's um, right. It's so good. I'm a, I'm such a stand for that movie. By the way. That movie knows exactly what it is, and every single person is having fun with it in that movie. Like, everyone is chewing every bit of scenery that they can get their hands on in that movie. Like, everyone is just having a very good, very dumb time <laughs> with it. I like that. That's nice. Yeah, I, uh, I I like it quite a bit. But, like, Kate Beckinsale's, like, amazing accent is like, oh, you know, Van Helsing, we must shoot the werewolf with the silver bullets. It's like... Oh, it's man. so and it kind of comes and goes. That's it's so bad. So, it's so bad. And like the guy who plays Dracula also does. He is he is magnificent in that movie. I highly recommend everyone go watch Van Helsing with the understanding that every single person in this movie knows how dumb it is. And it's I mean, just that's so having, great. Having, having a good old time doing it. And I, I appreciate those kind of movies that I love where it's that. like it, it knows what it is and it's having fun with it. Like it gets it. Yeah. Yeah. Like if this was a movie that was like really trying to like be all serious and badass, I'd be like, OK, this is a bad movie. But it it, it succeeds 100 percent as just being like a mad monster party, uh, <laughs> you know, where I mean, that's exactly what off. you want. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah um I can't find out if it is him or not quite yet, but it is kind of interesting. They don't, the person who is, who plays the maiden in black is, uh, well, the one thing I'll say is, uh, Rupert Evans is in this, which surprised me. Um, he's pretty famous. He's, he's like, I mean, he's in a ton of stuff. Mm -hmm. He looks very familiar and he's in a ton of stuff. Uh, he's in like the man in the high castle and, uh, he's in, uh, world without end. He's just like Mm -hmm. a British actor, but he's just in like everything. Um, but, uh, um, the person who plays uh, the Maiden in Black is named Aveta uh, Marada Silova. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, did you know that uh, she has uh, two other um, video game based uh, credits? I did not know. Well, it's in one of your favorite games. Uh, she plays Lady Maria of the Astral Clock Tower in Bloodborne. Oh, okay. I know that there are some yeah. definite, there are some um, repeat souls uh, voice actor offenders. <laughs> um, <laughs> Always, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, um, I really yeah. liked the the uneven st- like nature of the dialogue in a lot of Souls games, and particularly this one. 
it's something I always liked. It, it had like so much texture and weirdness and like some of it was so like mundane that it kind of catches you off guard. Like a lot of this game is, is catching you off guard in really weird, like beautiful ways. You're and, absolutely like, right. Yeah. That is one of those like things where it's like, oh, this one, like you walk in to this like horrible place in the middle of some horrible place. And this guy's like, ah, I see you have come to where <laughs> I live. And you're like, what the hell just happened? Like the um, the kind of cliche of Souls game dialogue is someone like says something vaguely menacing and it's just, that is just like hey, 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 or something. Um, whereas in this game, like it's just so cash sometimes. Like, yeah, someone's just like, I, I see you have things you need me to upgrade. And like, that's it. Then <laughs> you're like, OK, dude, who's here? I do um, need that. And then if you leave, like, you're just like, well, I'm not ready to spend the money. He's like, you'll last long here. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Like, okay. Sorry. <laughs> so, so you get to the Nexus and you're kind of ushered into Boletaria 1. Uh, so the reason why I love this level, the game makes its all of its points here, I feel mm, like, mm-hmm. initially. And I, they all just struck me in, like right off the bat. I, I think like... It's a game that, like, you kind of understand more as you go through it. And if you replay it, you can kind of see, oh, I see where, um, like, how Bulletary 1 trains you for the entire rest of the game in this really beautiful manner. Beautiful is a word I keep coming back to because I think it's just a gorgeous, like, a gorgeously made game uh, in yeah, a way it's, that... It, it's beautiful in, like, in, like, a lot of ways. Like, it's structurally beautiful and visually beautiful. It still holds up. Like, yeah. it still is gorgeous to look at. And it also has, like, a really... Well, we'll get to the story in a little bit. But Mm -hmm. so, like, um, Bulletaria 1, the first thing that happens is you, like, wake up next to an arch stone, which, I mean, think of a bonfire, basically. Yeah, it's Um, literally that, pretty much. It's a stone. (laughs) Yeah, with, like, a a sword in it or something. Oh, no, actually, no, there isn't a sword in it. I forget. Anyway. No, there is is, uh, something in it. Anyway, um, <laughs> but like so like Dark Souls is different from Demon Souls because Demon Souls was still owned by Sony. And so um, they Dark Souls is kind of a spiritual successor in part because like they didn't own the rights to it. Um, or they didn't own the rights to make like a Demon Souls 2 or something. So like you have things like the Archstone is just uh, the, um, you know, uh, is just what the bonfires would come to be. And that kind of thing. So, like, um, the uh, so you, you wake up in this art stone, you're, uh, and it's this big kind of promenade, promenade, whatever, mm-hmm. big thing leading up to this castle gate. And the first thing that happens is a dragon, uh, like, you know, lands, like, in front of you and roars at you with a mouthful of corpses. <laughs> like, it's, it's just, like, like six or so ten grim. dudes. And it's just the game, like, again, it's just being like, fuck you, <laughs> like, <laughs> as, as you come into it um, and and stuff. And that, that fuck you moment at the, at the beginning becomes important, I think, in a little bit. But, like, it, it, when it comes kind of more clear what the game is doing, but, like, um, the and it kind of just, you know, flies away. And then you're left with this kind of long, um, you know, bunch of steps uh, and landings up to this kind of castle that's there. And as you go, there's like little like, you know, like the, the first little enemies in the game. Uh, just and the first one out. comes out of nowhere and, and, and ambushes you. Like, that's yeah, the there's other a lot of ambushes. Thing. Like, it's yeah. sort of like, OK, I guess I'm walking here and then someone jumps out and hurts you. It's like, OK, uh-huh. that's how it goes. Yeah. Or like they pop out from behind boards or and then like, oh, two of them run at you. And oh, one of them has a bow and arrow. 
And at the first time you play it, you're like, oh, this guy, like, you're like, oh, well, these are just the simple enemies or whatever. And um, because in the tutorial, you're mostly fighting just like uh, kind of just hu uh, humanoid like enemies, like just dudes with like swords and stuff. Whereas now you're fighting these, you know, dredgling zombie type things yeah. and they'll get up to you and they go into this like frenzied swinging animation that will just end you like right there. Oh yeah, that early time, if you get hit by one of those, you're done. And then yeah. you get immediately resurrected right back at the, right back at the. With, uh, with less health. Yeah. Um, because the game reduces your health and your magic as you die uh, down to a certain, I forget what the actual like level is like the lowest level and yeah. it'll just keep going for a while and um until you defeat like a boss or something and and this would be uh, toyed with in, in future souls games uh series too but this one was way was extremely punitive and at first i was just like oh man this game is like so hardcore well, what and and that kind of like appealed to the part of me that was like no I don't want to be beaten type of thing that I feel like I hadn't just seen engaged uh, in a lot of games because I literally just come off of playing like Fable Two mm -hmm. yeah. and I was like holy shit this is a game that is not going to be like hey here's everything just go at kind of your own pace and once again I. I co-created Night in the Woods. I like games like that, <laughs> but like, um, oh wait, that wasn't supposed to be hardcore. That took me like, <laughs> I died a lot in that it, game. Yeah, so, I mean, we were we were big on permadeath in that game <laughs> and stuff. But like, um, so like uh, the, but and and you go up and you're like, oh, this gate's closed. Oh, I, but here's like a little path up to the right, and then you fight your way up to this really claustrophobic tower. Or you know, again, dudes like are like rolling flaming rocks at you and coming out of nowhere, and you're starting to like hit other enemies that are like kind of a long swordsman in like armor yeah. and uh, kind of things like that. And you get to the the top of the tower, and you can kind of go to the right and uh, do the first little thing of like opening up your first little shortcut, um, which is which a big thing in the in the game. Like it, it introduces the shortcuts. Yeah, and it's even more, I think, important in that game uh, than it becomes in later games because uh, it, uh, it it's like these levels are really linear. So it's like if yes. you don't, it's not just traversing between areas. It's like unless you want to play the whole level again. But um, the, the game becomes so exacting that by the time you get to the point where you're unlocking that, like thing you probably have a decent chunk of everything memorized that you've just gone through yeah like you know the placement and timing of every enemy you walk in and you're like turn to the right deal with this guy turn to the left dodge this thing deal with this and, and as you're doing it there's like also the community there with you where like you're seeing shades do it you're seeing shades die in certain places you which was kind of a, and, i'd never seen anything like that before. i don't think and the multiplayer like the multiplayer uh, someone's going to correct me, but as far as like just in popular game stuff, I, I don't think anyone had seen this kind of multiplayer before outside of, I, I don't know. I'm sure it exists somewhere, but I hadn't certainly never seen it. And I mean, like, maybe like were, Diablo where like you could get, you know, killed or griefed or whatever out of nowhere. Someone invades your game. Yeah. Metaphorically, but this is literally like invasion of the game or, you know, team ups with people you didn't know. It's, I mean, it's, it's a crazy idea. 
the, the lore behind crazy. it, the lore behind it is it's one of those great bits of like kind of Japanese game design lore, like you have with Miyamoto, like where it's like, oh, Zelda was uh, inspired by I think it was like outside of Kyoto where he lived. I think it was Kyoto. Um, someone's gonna correct me on that one too, but like. And Man, it was like, oh, I know, right? I'm going to get dragged by, by video game pedant Twitter. But like um, the uh, so, um, you know, like the, the lore is that you know, Miyamoto was like inspired by to make the Zeldas uh, to make a Zelda like a lot of the design there by his exploration and like finding like a cave and stuff when he was roaming around the countryside as a kid. And um, the lore behind Dark Souls is asynchronous multiplayer is that Miyazaki, the director of this uh, Dark Souls one, three and Bloodborne mm-hmm. is um, he was going up like an icy hill in his car in the winter and like some of the cars started like sliding down and people were like helping each other or like one person was helping everyone kind of make it up this hill and he never got to see or talk to whoever it was. And they just kind of went on with their lives. And he was like, did they make it up? Okay. Like what, you know, like I never got to check in with them. So he was inspired to make something that where people were helping each other out or helping or like hindering each other in their difficulties. Um, but you never knew kind of what happened to them. That's so interesting. Um, and it's, it's a great moment. And one of the things that I think people connect with in that game is that idea of the kind of transient helpers, you know, that like, oh, I, I'm having this kind of moment with these with these um, with these other people in this game. But they're yeah. just kind of coming and going and off on their own thing, you know, and they can be and they can be such an important part of it. Like I mm-hmm. th- th- I ended up using I ended up bringing a blue uh, spirit in basically Phantom, uh, yeah. to help me out with the fight. Uh, because I wanted to get to that uh, that monk who was mm-hmm. who brings in um, uh, red or black spirits who are like you know bad guys basically yeah. they invade your world and try to kill you and there's um, a lot of them in this game yeah tons um, and some are some are actual players some are not but the mm-hmm. um, the the blue spirits are people you summon basically and they come and help you win a battle you can't win and I couldn't be mm-hmm. the uh, the two like gargoyle snake. Uh, guys, I can't remember what their names are. The man eaters, uh, yeah, man eaters. Thank they, you. They, they kind of, they kind of like so many of these things that just pop up in in Dark Souls or Bloodborne later. They're they're basically the dry run for the bell gargoyles. In, they're absolutely, which I also used a, uh, a friend, basically a helper to help me beat it. Oh yeah, it's just like so brutal, so um, brutal that there are two of them. But like it, I beat them with with that guy and like. I can't think about the game without thinking of that brief encounter with someone I, I mean, is completely anonymous to me. And I think a lot of people have those stories. Like, you know, we, people talk about the stories of like, oh, I got invaded right here and it sucked and everything. But there's right. also like these stories of like, I needed help and someone was there to help. And it completely changed how this very lonely place felt. Well, um, it, so in, in, in dark souls, one of my favorite things that like, one of the things that really sold it to me and made me feel like I love this game, but was I like, I tried to summon someone for the first time. I was like, all right, I guess like, I'm not, a, I'm not a big multiplayer guy, but whatever. Like I, I can't beat these gargoyles and I summoned them and I sort of like, I kind of did it. And I, I fell back and like, he, he disappeared for a second and then reappeared and helped me beat them. Um, and then later there was an Xbox message from that user that said like, eh, you got lucky. 
because he, he was there <laughs> to see my message and I was like, oh, that's funny. Like, that's yeah. just such a funny thing to send to someone afterwards. And I mean, I was, I got to beat that boss because I was lucky and he hung around. Like it really, you're right. Like it, it makes, it increases the loneliness of the world because once they're gone, they're gone. Like, and then mm-hmm. you're back you don't get like party members or anything but for a minute it also creates like this 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 way of having like memorable co-op and competition and pvp Mm -hmm. in a world where literally you are alone for 95 percent of the game i i talk to people sometimes who and i do not ever begrudge anyone for bouncing right off these games and hating them no like, of course not like i said they are niche games that somehow got the reputation of being something that everyone should agree on and like i think that's like real dumb they are artsy weird jagged games that are sometimes utterly bafflingly designed and if they don't connect with you they're just not gonna connect and that's fine but like I'll talk to someone sometime who's like, I hated Dark Souls or I hated whatever. It was just too frustrating, this boss. And I was like, oh, yeah, you really are. You really just should summon someone for that boss. That really make, takes the edge off. And they're like, no, I don't want help. I want to play it the, the real way. And I was like, no, the real way to play Dark Souls is to get up in everybody's business. Like, yeah. And like, oh, yeah. when, and by that, I don't mean like that's the real way to play, quote unquote. And if you don't play that, you're playing it wrong. I mean, it's designed for that, for that help and that hindrance to be there. Like, that is a core part of what makes these games is you know you are going to have a very hard time and the game will just even if like no one's around to summon they'll give you npc summons that you can just you know because part of the fun is and part of the core themes of this game is people having to come together to deal with insurmountable odds Right. Um, and and like, even if you decide like, like, you know, like I wasn't super into doing multiplayer. So I was like, you know, I don't, I don't know if I really want to do it. Like whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was like, you know what? Um, I'm going to try it here. I'm going to try it there. I'm not going to do too much of it. There are still the messages everywhere and the messages mm-hmm. mislead you or lead you in. And in Demon Souls, it was like, it was exactly the same. Like they'd be like, you know, watch out here or like treasure ahead and you'd run Mm -hmm. into a trap or like trap ahead. And it really would be a trap. Like, yeah, you can't tell if people are messing with you. If people are making the game harder, if they're acting as villains or acting as heroes. And it like, Mm -hmm. it is such an indescribable sort of sense of uh, community and, and threat too. Yeah. I I think that like by the time also people just start having like, you know, fun, like with it, uh, you know, um, there'd be, you know, like there was something like pe- there, people would see something and like make some sort of like weird, like goofy sex joke about something using the very limited syntax available to you in those messages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, because it would, it would be in, like these really broken type of things, which which would lead like um, to certain type of like, uh, I mean, this is where the 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 phrase the real demon soul starts here. Exactly. The real Dark Souls starts here. The Redeeming Soul starts here. Yeah. Yeah. And like the, so one of the saddest moments in the game, it it would like, it was, it was truly heartbreaking actually. And like, I, so like when the servers turned off, I'll I'll say like, I was still playing the game and I played about half the game or or two thirds of the servers off. Oh, that's interesting. And it was much lonelier. Like it was, it was, I came to terms with it because the servers turned off and it was really like sort of emotionally interesting, like the way I responded to it. Um, and then, and then they were off and I was like, well, I got to beat this game. And I played through it and it just like, it was, 
it was interesting. Like it was super interesting to play that way because it really was a much lonelier world and it felt sort of like a little less a little less unpredictable, but also like you could see the design more clearly. There there was something to it that was really kind of like I, I don't know, like if if you're a Demon Souls fan, it it might behoove you to play it without the servers on because it is different. Like it's so different. Um but one of the things I saw, one of the last messages I saw, like at like, I don't know, three like, you know, two fifty seven, because it turned off at three AM. Um, mm-hmm. someone just left a message that said like, Goodbye which a lot of people will or will put where it's like, you know, before a boss when you're about to die or if there's a mm-hmm. cliff or anything, but it was just goodbye and it was goodbye to the whole thing. And it was just like, wow, that yeah. is like, that is extremely profound art that is gone now. Yeah. It's just gone. Like years and years and years of this is gone. Mm-hmm. And right. I don't, I don't mean to like get all sentimental about it, but it was like, so when I played this, Get back to Bulletaria in one second, but like the first when I played this, we I had get, I had gotten a job the year before, and it was the first time in my adult life I was like so that was two thousand nine I was twenty seven. It was the first time in my adult life that I was making what I would call a a salary that I what that meant I could live without worrying about debt all the time. You know, right? Yeah. Um, it was like the first time I ever got a job that was like, oh, this is a sustaining wage like at all and it only lasted for a year because the company shut down uh and we it was a really abusive environment it was bad but it paid our bills and that was just something i hadn't had before when demon souls came out the swine flu was going around and the weekend that i got it bethany uh went home to visit uh her family in central pennsylvania and i got sick with the swine flu that weekend and i played my first weekend of Demon Souls, like with a massive fever, just like high from sick. That's like, awesome. That is like uh, the best way to play it. It's just <laughs> I so was crazy. Just like, I was like, what the hell is this game? Like, and when the like the next week I got laid off. Ugh. And I was feeling really, really terrible about myself. And like I, I kind of roll my eyes sometimes at the way that we feel the need to talk about games in a way that justifies them. Like, you know, this game was more than a game to, to me because while it was going on, like something, some traumatic thing was happening and it helped me deal with this. You know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, we can't just be like, no, we just liked it because it was fun or, or whatever. Like it's we really want narratives that talk about how a game helped you through this big um kind of life trauma or something help me come to terms with this and it's beautiful when games do that but i feel like sometimes we can't we we need we feel like we need to look for those to justify a game's existence Mm. um and stuff that having been said i was so depressed this is like i have bipolar this is before i was on medication and this was a really rough time for me because i was laid off and (laughs) the only good job i'd ever had uh it's crushing yeah yeah, I'd been in the workforce since I was 18. I didn't go to college. So it's like this is like 10 years into working. And I finally got a job that was like, oh, cool. I can maybe make plans for the future. And then it was gone. Right. And um, I came back home and I sat and I played Demon Souls for about four days. And I still very much felt like this is a game that does not want to be beaten at all. <laughs> like this is hard. This is difficult. This is brutal in a way that I hadn't seen in a long time. And... I eventually beat it 
And it was one of those moments where I got up and then went on with my life. Like, mm-hmm. it was one of those moments where I was like, no, this feels like I, you know, I just got laid off from my job. Everything is very bad right now, but I'm going to beat this fucking game. Yeah. And I beat it and I legit stood up and felt like I could move on. It was like a moment of closure of this kind of bad time in my life. And that's an interesting way of thinking about it. Dark Souls was like that for me. And a lot of people who have depression have talked about how Dark Souls was therapeutic for them. Uh, I'm definitely one of those people that like as someone who was in the darkest times of kind of before I got like on like medication and therapy and stuff. Dark Souls was one of the things that uh, that convinced me to get help and not to just give up. Like it was a really powerful thing in my life. And a lot of people, like I said, a lot of people with depression have have that exact same story specifically about Dark Souls. Um, and so Demon Souls has this really particular time in my life attached to it. And this like emotional resonance that we'll get into in like a little bit as we talk about other places. But like. So I think like Boletaria has this thing where it's it's teaching you about the game and it's harsh and it's kind of like almost laughing at you at times at the beginning. It's like, but you'll you'll open the shortcut and you'll go, oh, okay, cool. So I can figure out a way to get through this again. And it's like until you figure that out, it's going to say, no, come back, memorize what's going on, learn from it. And by the end, you will just be sweeping through this, not because you've quote unquote got good or whatever, but because you're you're more in, attuned with what the game is asking of you. And the Souls games ask a really specific type of very close attention. Like they're not hard so much as they require a really specific kind of persistence and attention. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah, you know, uh, they. And that's why they're kind of exhausting is because you you kind of like there's no pause button. You have to keep paying attention. You have to block. You have to do all this stuff. Well, they're like, exhausting and they're meditative, right? Like the, mm-hmm. I, I always find them very meditative. I, I get I get very yeah. relaxed if I'm playing Dark Souls the right way. If I get frustrated mm-hmm. while playing Dark Souls, I know I have to stop or at least like move on to a different area or something like that because it's, it's wrong at that point. But if I'm playing the right way, if I'm in like a good mood or a good place – I'll I'll just find them very meditative. Like I'll just kind of I'll kind of bliss on playing Dark Souls for a while, and like it, it's because it is repetitive and it is sort of focusing on one particular thing, and it's focusing on sort of like okay to beat this boss, I'm gonna I need to figure out like when I need to roll, or I need mm-hmm. to like I need to figure out a different strat, or like is maybe my weapon isn't good enough, and it's like there's something very uh, very sort of like soporific about that. Yeah, it, it's a game that lends itself to the zone. Mm-hmm. Like, it is one of the only games I've ever played where I ha- have become aware of, quote-unquote, the zone as I've been playing it. Where I was just like, oh, I'm in a different state when I'm playing this. I'm not necessarily thinking about other stuff, but I am highly concentrating on this moment. I'm living, I mean, honestly, as someone who does like mindfulness meditation for like anxiety and stuff, it is like mindfulness meditation in the sense of like, I am here right now in this moment and nothing else exists. Like Demon Souls is like, it's even more focused on that because like the way the level design works. So after Boletaria one, you you end up like you end up opening up the other worlds and it feels like it's mm -hmm. an enormous world, but it's much more claustrophobic than than any Souls game that comes after or Blood. Oh yeah, like there, there's no pretense of an open interconnected world. It's it's no. it's like it's like a Mega Man level select like select screen 
It's like, right. you're going to go to the underground level? You're going to go to the skeleton level? You're going to go to the worst place on Earth, uh, Valley of Defilement? Oh, like, God. Uh, but, like, um, the... Uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but, like, Valley of Defilement is also one of the most, like, upsetting places in most any game I've ever played. Of just, like, I can feel and smell yeah. this place as I'm it's, in it. Like It's exactly like, yeah, it, it, it reminded me of Blanktown, but worse. Like, Blanktown oh, is, was also it is something... So much wor- yeah. Blight it's also something I mean, feeling like feeling like it made me feel gross, but then yeah. oh, Valley of Defilement, you just feel Valley so of Defilement gross. is like is like is like Blight Town, except for everyone in it is has the plague and is sick and is vomiting everywhere and is just miserable. Like Blight Town yeah. seems like oh, these people are actually like they're hunting and they got stuff going on and it's a kind of a shitty place, but they're, you know, they're surviving. Whereas Valley of Defilement is like everyone here will be dead in like a week and yeah. it'll just be the next group of people that die in a week. It's, oh, it's it is the one of the worst places I've ever been in a game. Like as far as just straight up misery and grossness and like stuff. But anyway, like, um, but yeah, like I think that first level and then like you meet, uh, I think it's a Strava, uh, who's like one of the like first friendly NPCs you meet in something. And he's like, oh, I got to help me out. That starts off his like little very Souls game quest line. where you got to like be in the right place at the right time to catch him. And, Do I like, know a funny thing about a Strava? I missed mm-hmm. him completely my first run through. Oh, really? And then I was like, where's a Strava? And I looked it up and I was like, he's down there. And so like every <laughs> single every single mission I had with him was like incredibly easy because i was super it was the end game like i it was mm-hmm. like literally i found him on like my last like i maybe had like two levels left and i mm-hmm. was like all right i guess i'll do this part and it is it's very souls gamey you have to keep going through the levels in the in Boletarian palace and like mm-hmm. he yeah but he's like oh help me and and but you're absolutely right you're supposed to see him and that's supposed to be yet another tutorial moment yeah you're supposed to go oh i should be on the lookout for friendly people too right uh, people who are sharing this world who are who are here with me so you you make your way around uh and there's you know, on top of a you can go after some dragons at the top of the wall which is very very ill-advised at this point you Not can come back idea. to bulletaria one later too if you have oh geez we haven't even talked about soul tendencies but like if you Ugh, if you have like yeah. a pure white or black soul tendency in some levels like there will be like the um certain Door gates will be open yeah. or something like that and um Bulletaria one has has one for pure black tendency right at the beginning where you meet the executioner who actually pops up in a bunch of other souls games too yeah that um, was one of the ones i got um it, it's interesting like so before we even like delve too much into the plot it's like it, the 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 type of plot in souls games is so interesting and it, it it is absolutely maybe more than any maybe more than any other that i've played it, it's just embodied in demon souls because the 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 plot in Demon Souls is something like, yeah, look, like you might catch some of this plot if a million things went right. Like if it's the <laughs> world tendency, world tendency has to do with your actions and it has to do with everyone else's actions on the server. And so yep. it shifts. You can play it offline, which is how people usually suggest it. Well, it, well there's sense, world but, tendency and then there's then there's your own soul tendency, which I think is right? different. Yeah, but it, but but. In every world, you can control the diff- the world tendency by way of like your actions. So oh, yeah, your soul by either tendency, like did, yeah, by defeating an arch archdemon or yeah, killing certain NPCs or dying a whole bunch. Yeah, like I remember mm-hmm. grinding black soul tendency by just like walking off and dying off of things. And, oh yeah, for sure. And stuff. Um, um, yeah, but like it's it 
if you don't do those things, you'll never get the story. And I was getting real frustrated about that. And then I was like, well, it's kind of the point. Like, it's just mm-hmm. a world where maybe you'll meet these people or maybe you won't. It's like, it's not, that's the game. Yeah, you're, you're, you're passing in, an, in, a, in a snowstorm up, up, yeah. like on an icy hill. Um, and yeah, and I, again, I just think that's a beautiful bit of design. And it, it's so evocative. And if, if you look at the game as far as like a, so when I started playing it, I was like, ah, this is just a game about challenge and like, stuff and it's like i'm gonna be more hardcore than this game but it's not it's about no. those moments it's about that feeling of overcoming it's about being in the worst place and you know dealing with other people either being them being helpful or not and you making your way through it like um you know i think miyazaki has said several times like the point of this thing isn't like to be like hardcore or like even be difficult it's to give you a sense of accomplishment of achieving um and and it does i I mean if you beat anything in a dark souls or demon souls game like it makes you feel great yeah particularly that first time like and that's one of the reasons why boletaria one is so great because it starts with a dragon yelling at you through a mouth of corpses (laughs) <laughs> um, which is still one of my favorite visuals in any game. Oh, it's just it's like, so yeah, good. it's so like, awful. Let's see, how, how do we make this? Like, because you'll play other games and it's like, oh, look at this majestic dragon. And it's like, this one is just going to yell at you through a bunch of corpses. That, that is a way to mouth open. <laughs> that is a way to get me to care about the dragon in your game is if it's just like a big, like, it's just like, hey, I just came from eating half the village, but fuck <laughs> you. Um, yeah, right. You know, it's like he, he pauses just to like, do that and like it it presents this really foreboding face when you finally open up that second gate that brings down the main gate that that you saw at the beginning that you walked up to and could not pass you uh there's a cutscene where it opens and this giant barbed spear is like flung out and lands like directly in front of the camera just like okay well come in (laughs) yeah right like i remember seeing that and being like i'm not doing this this is terrifying (laughs) (laughs) yeah but you walk in it's actually a pretty easy boss that's um, definitely i would say the second most easy boss the second easiest boss in the game yeah it's Um, right up there um outside of probably outside of like the the uh what's her name the the doll or the 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 fool's false idol. idol, false. Yeah, the fool. Yeah, yeah fool's idol. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Once you know, once you know the trick to the fool's idol, she's extremely easy. Ugh, but like, yeah, once um, you know the trick, <laughs> <laughs> I stumbled across the trick the first time, so I was really lucky. But um, you were. But so like, but then like you take this thing out. It's a bunch of little goopy dudes with shields. Um, and if you've been collecting fire shit the whole level, which they keep giving you, it goes. That's down really super quick. useful. Yeah. Um, it's great like there. the, like the fire bombs, and so. Um, yeah, then, uh, another, an, an arch stone, uh, pops up all of your health and magic goes right back to normal. And by the way, you can't go back to the nexus at this point yet. Like this whole time, like you have to beat this thing in order to return to any safe spot at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, it just, it, it puts you into bulletaria one and locks the door behind you. <laughs> and it's just like, all right, Good you have to luck. make it through, you have to make it through this. And it was around this point where I started realizing, I'm like, you know, when I look at the design of this level, you know, even back then, I wasn't like really like I think about game design and level design a lot now because I I make games. But like back then, I wasn't thinking about it in that in that sense. But I did get the sense of like, oh, the point of this wasn't to keep me out. 
of this gate at all. The point of this was to teach me how to open this gate. Mm. Like, yeah, you know, the point of this is not to to make it so that you can't do something. The point of it is to get you into a state where you can do it and you learn and you and like one of the things about the Souls games is that once you start pushing back and you start seeing what it's doing, they become really playful, even funny games. Absolutely. Like, there's so much humor in these games. Like Demon Souls a bit less than most. Demon Souls is maybe the grimmest of all of them, but like It's a little um, grim. Yeah, but I mean there's still humor. Yeah, which I, yeah, which I, I like. I think it works for for the game. It, it's much more of a horror game up until they got Bloodborne, which this game really prefigures in a lot of ways. Um mm-hmm. yeah. the um with its like old one stuff Latria, it might as well be a Bloodborne level. And they basically <laughs> actually remade Latria in 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 Dark Souls 3 too. Oh, Latrius um, is such a good level. That was like, so that was one of the levels for me where like, because you start off basically like it's a, a mad king or a mad monk keeping um, prisoners of this family. And it's like, it's, it's so scary when you start it because there are these like minders that are effectively like mind flayers slash Cthulhu <laughs> things. God, and, those things are just like, when you first play that, it's terrifying. It's a yeah. terrifying level. But it you, can, is just you like, can figure it out. Like if you get behind them, you can you can kind of make some progress, even if you're low level. Yeah, it's like incredible. The, the the thing the thing with a lot of the Souls games is the first time you play anything, or like the first or tenth time until you make it through it, you're creeping really slowly. Like mm-hmm. if you start to start running around, like oh, you're dead instantly. Yeah, I mean you you'll learn to you, you know you can run past a lot of dudes, but like particularly the first time you play it. Like you're not going to get very far if you if you don't methodically. And when I first started playing, you know, the first level in the uh, first area in Demon Souls, I was trying to play it like all the other action games I'd played, yeah. which was like running in. I'm going to like do some sweet combos. Like I played play, like God of War or one of those recently, right before that. <laughs> a game that is just like go just in like and be it. a badass, you know, like um, yeah, go and like take out whole rooms of guys in this awesome manner just mash this button and this and this game was not that at all which is a thing that a lot of people didn't like about it at that point like they thought that meant like that it wasn't well designed and it was just like no it's it's not it's it's just not interested in that kind of thing at all it it gets a bit more like actiony in that way like towards like bloodborne certainly which is like not about being defensive in that way yeah yeah yeah, and um, with some of the weapon arts things they do in later Souls games, but like particularly this one, it's just like take it very slow, keep your shield yeah. up, watch your corners, uh, stay frosty. But like um, the, <laughs> but if you ever uh, think about it, like it is an action game. Like th- those were the points in the game where I just like they were the points of the game where I got really frustrated and almost gave up. Like I, mm-hmm. I was at King Allen forever. The false king Allen, uh, <laughs> yeah. like in, in the la- basically the last boss of the game. There's no mm-hmm. serious boss after that. Um, yeah. But it, I was so stuck on him, and like I got mad. I kept trying. I got mad. I got I leveled up, and I. I, I, th- I, I think to, you mentioned it on Twitter, and I was like, ah, you guys got to do that one thing, and you're like, well, I know that now. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. And like the people are like, oh yeah, just roll, and I was like, I know rolling is important in this game. <laughs> But I was playing it like I was playing it like a Souls game where I was like, well, I have the weapon I like. I have this thing I'm doing. I'm just going to beat the boss. Like, I, if I just mm-hmm. keep trying it, I will. And I mentioned in the Discord what, what my – they were like, well, so what what stuff do you have? And I mentioned it. 
and they were like, and what are your stats? And I mentioned it. And one person was like, Trev, you're using a faith weapon and you are a strength dex build. And my faith was, uh, was 10, mm-hmm. just enough to use the a talisman. Uh, mm-hmm. and I was using a, a, a moon weapon or, or whatever, like actually with, yeah. uh, and it was fine. Like it worked okay, but they were like, get a good weapon and go mm-hmm. back and try again. And so like that opened up a whole other area of the game that I had been, you know, ignoring. I, I knew, oh, yeah. I knew about it, it, smithing, it, but I didn't care yeah. about the specifics. Oh yeah. Like some of the, um, particularly in like, I didn't like in the later souls games and in bloodborne, like. Weapon upgrades are more like, I feel like, linear, like, past, like, maybe Dark Souls 1, crafting unique items that are really, really build-based and in, like, a a really intense way, I feel like has been somewhat, uh, you know, underplayed um, in favor of other systems. Again, someone's going to correct me and be like, actually, Dark Souls 2 or something. (laughs) But, like, um, but (laughs) I had, I know, I have this, like, magical shimitar or something in like plus nine or something by the end of demon souls that would just cut through anything based on my stats. Cause I had really high decks um, and high magic. And it was something that fed off of both of those. Yeah. Um, I mean, once I basically like, I was like, Oh, so this thing I've been using the whole time is not something good. And I was like, Oh, this Uchigatana, the, the, the hiltless Uchigatana that I thought I would never use that I found mm-hmm. in, uh, in the, in the shrine of storms. Yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll just, that looks like it book be some of my stats okay. All right, I'll just uh I'll figure out how to make that strong. And I figured mm-hmm. out how to make that strong and I was like, "Great. Now um let's see if I can do it." And all of a sudden, I was doing enough damage that yes, Alan was still really hard and I had to use all the skills that I had figured out before. Mm-hmm. But he was beatable. And it's it, yep. it's just like one of these moments where like when you run up against the wall, you're supposed to think about how to you're supposed to think through it. You're not supposed to just mm-hmm. say like, well, I'm not good enough at this yet. I have to keep getting better. Which, which better. is the thing, like, like getting like the quote unquote get good thing, which I, I think that people exaggerate. Like you got to be yeah. in really specific corners of the internet to hear someone go get good or something. It's like, well, like game yeah, it, it, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I never, I've never encountered anyone saying that ever. And I've played these games so much, like more than almost any other game maybe except for like the Mario, like the NES Mario series or something, which I'm playing right, right. now as I talk. But like, um, oh, the, yeah. which is not to say that it doesn't happen, but it is to say that that is part of the hype of these games and it part of the community. It's like, yeah, if you go and watch a bunch of Dark Souls lore YouTubers, probably some of them are going to, or like this, or if you're like going on some fucking message board, to be like, hey, help me out with this thing. And someone's like, oh, get good at it. Like, yeah, that's probably going to happen. That's games culture. Yeah. Like, you're going to get that in a lot of, of places. Like, um, so it's not to downplay and say it doesn't happen, but it is to say that it's kind of a little overblown, maybe. As well, far it's overblown as it's for the community. Yeah, I, I, don't think, I don't think it's a Souls thing, necessarily. Like, I think you can hear that, that from the same community as often in, like, if you're talking about, I don't know, the... Uh, uh, Fortnite. Like, if you're just like, yeah. I can't figure out how to build and shoot at Fortnite, people are going to be like, get good. And yeah. it's like, that's not, that's not helpful. And then other people will help you. It's just interesting that like, what I find interesting about Demon Souls particularly is that like Demon Souls wants you to get good and then encourages you in the ways to get good, which is like, don't, don't overthink this. Like, mm-hmm. Don't don't overthink this and think like okay I only have one method forward I need to 
level up like I do in Final Fantasy or whatever. Demon Souls basically just says like treat this game as if it is unique and just mm-hmm. try and unpack it. Yeah. And you can take your time with it. Just like figure mm-hmm. it out. There's no rush. And like that's super unique still. Like that's such a Yeah. A, it's a it's a good feeling. Mhm. It is it is weird because it seems so inhospitable and it puts you in all these inhospitable places, but it's a game that is so incredibly earnest and human. It's not a game that like you know, so when you get to Boletaria 2, you walk out on this big open bridge and it's the first of the Souls games doing this because it's kind of brought back this joke ever since is the, you walk out on it. And like one of the first things that happens is if you're not watching, a dragon will come by and just kill you immediately yep. by breathing fire. fire on it. And it's and I laughed so hard the first time that happened. Because oh, I was yeah. like, oh, the game the the game basically was like, oh, cool, you beat this thing. You could go back up and level up and everything. And now and the, you walk back out and you're like, yeah, man, I got this game down. And oh, no, a dragon killed me immediately. In right, like this exactly. really loud, silly way. And it's like, oh, OK. And like you have to kind of like laugh at that. Like if you can laugh with that and go, ah, OK, I see what you're doing here, then like that is the game making a joke. That is the game going up. Ah, well, don't don't get too full of yourself, and t- taking you out in a really funny, like ridiculous way. It's like the like the Monty Python foot or something. Just like yeah, that's exactly like, right. It's, it's it's utterly ridiculous what happens, and and you go okay. Well, now I'm back to it. Okay, now I'm into this, and it also ma- makes it so that because like you can go to other worlds after you beat Bulletary One, but I think a lot of people just go immediately to the second one to Bulletary One Two. I actually also, got discouraged, it, and 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 I think I beat Shrine of I, I beat something all the way through. Shrine, it was Shrine of Storms, or Shrine of Storms, Shrine of Storms is hard, but I just I just that, stuck that with first it. area. Yeah, God, the, those those rolling skeletons when you first see them, you're like, no one can beat them. And then later on, you get like the level one club, which just makes short work of them. You can also punch them to death really, really easy. The thing is, like, that's another thing. It's like early on, you're like, well, I have a good sword now, so therefore I can kill anything. And it's like, no, literally your sword will do less damage than if you just go at them and start punching them to death. Like, you know, because it's a blunt thing and you learn, oh, of course, why in the world would a blade hurt a skeleton? Like, (laughs) we get anything that is blunt and they go they go down so quick. But the skeletons are also super fast, and they, like, cartwheel towards you, basically. Yeah, and, and as they're cartwheeling, they are like using that. their sword. Yeah, uh, which they'll kind of do some stuff with in later games like that, too. But, like, that, like Shrine of Storms, that first area, is kind of notorious. That, that is one of the first places where you're just going to bang your head on it for a while until you realize, oh, okay, all yeah. right. And it's like each right. of these places is teaching you so much about what makes this game interesting and fun um, and stuff. And like, if you, if you kind of stop seeing it as, well, I got to beat it like in like a bad way, like in a, in a way that assumes the game is trying to be exclusionary for lack of better words, it, you start seeing that, Oh, this is, I get it. This is supposed to be, this is fun. This is, we're playing together, me and this game in this really responsive manner. And, if I poke at it, particularly later in the game, if you go think to do something, you'll be like, I wonder if I could do this. And you're like, oh, shit, I can do this. And it opened up this whole <laughs> right. other thing, you know. Um, well, yeah, and, and, uh, like the, when I first played Dark Souls, like Dark Souls was the first one of these I played. And I picked it up 
on a night when I downloaded it for free off of Xbox 360 uh, mm-hmm. off of uh, Gold. And mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I'll try this. People keep talking about it. And I didn't really know that much about it. So I kind of came in cold. And I really, mm-hmm. like, at that point, I was not super into video games. I think my second thing I ever wrote for what was then video drive, well, the, the early version of No Cartridge was on Dark Souls. Because, like, I just started playing video games again basically for that. Like, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I got to do something to relax. So I guess I'll play some video games. And, and Dark yeah. Souls really, really took me. Um, but I was wandering around. I was just like, all right, whatever. Like, I'll play this game like I play action games. Like, I know how to play action games. It's fine. And mm-hmm. I made no progress for six hours. I, I started it because <laughs> I, I had to. I had to stay up all night <clears throat> to play a. <clears throat> sorry, I had to stay up all night to uh, to you know basically uh, jerry rig my sleep schedule so I could drive through the night because I was going home to visit my my folks in Pennsylvania and we wanted the mm-hmm. uh, my daughter to sleep through the night in the car, and so I just had to stay up and play video games. I was like, all right, fine, I can do that. Um, and I just kept dying. And the reason I kept dying was because at the beginning of Dark Souls, you can go one way, you can go three ways. You can go down and into the sort of like underwater ghost area and uh, new Londo. Yeah. yeah, New Londo. That was immediately not going to work. Um, <laughs> and you, and, and you can't, those, those ghosts can kill you very easily and you can't harm them at that point in the game. At yeah. All. And it, it's just like, once, once that happens, you're like, well, okay, that's not happening. Um, and then there's, uh, there is the, um, the undead bird, uh, which is where you should go. And then there's, there's the, there's the <laughs> skeleton area. And the I just catacombs. kept going. Yeah. I just kept going to the catacombs and eventually I got, like, I was able to, I think I got like. I think I finally beat a skeleton maybe like four hours in and I felt so good about myself. And it's just like the paltriest, dumbest thing. And like once I did it and I realized it wasn't like a boss or anything, I was like, well, I guess I'm wrong about this. And then I found the undead bird. But it was like it, that unpacking where you're just like, OK, I need to take my time with this. I need to just fail a lot. Maybe I'll figure it out if I fail just constantly and just mm-hmm. like lean into that i mean that's just like that's that really is i think demon souls probably does it in a more in a more open way than any other souls games it is so committed to like even you know eh, okay well believe make easy bosses like the the dragon god super easy boss once you know how to do it um but it's all about learning how to do it that's all that's all they care about yeah and like you can't play these games like you play other games like they're not games that are waiting for you to get super dexterous necessarily right they're 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 thoughtful games like they are slow like we talked about them being meditative they are slow thoughtful games and if you try to play them like you know with the expectations of kind of a lot of other games they just kind of don't work really like no you'll just get frustrated if you if you if you go to it with the understanding of well, if you go to it with the whole thing of i just need to get good then you're you're not going to have a very good time with it and it's it kind of does a disservice to anyone to like to like describe it in that manner i feel like um i'm not saying like oh it's easy everyone should be able to do it because it's not like i said like a couple times thus far it's a weird hard jagged game that does a lot of game design stuff that a lot of people are just not going to like and that's totally fine um yeah, I mean, but you do like, have to like the aesthetic. Uh, you you can't look at it and be like, oh, I just 
I hate this world they're building. I don't I don't really mm-hmm. care about the monster design. I don't who cares about like a fantasy world whatever. Like if you're if you're not into sort of the doomed fantasy world aesthetic, you may not ever like these games. Yeah. Or the themes or anything, which we right. haven't gotten to yet, Jesus. But like the um We'll do those quick. So, so. <laughs> Yeah. Um but um so yeah, that's kind of like that's kind of like the basic primer, I, I guess, on it. It like it goes to some like weird and terrible places. Like it has some of like my favorite and like most evocative levels in any game, like mm-hmm. at all. Like yeah. and there really are levels, like you know, it's not just an area, like they are levels with like a one two one you know one 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 two one three here's a bunch of bosses and a final boss like it is a video game ass video game world like you know dark souls and like all the other games like they have like this interconnectedness of it and these kind of like beats of like here's a more peaceful area here's like this and that and they they they're just a different kind of game whereas demon souls is like here are levels yeah um it's exactly right yeah um it speaks to like it speaks to like the I mean like the ideas are just fully on display. I never really thought about mm-hmm. it this way, but as you're saying this, it's just it's like so clear. Like the ideas, like uh, Miyazaki's ideas, are just like on display, and he's it's sort of like okay, here's how we work through the concept of this game. Like if it's mm-hmm. a rough draft for D- for Dark Souls, in some ways, it's not a rough draft because it's bad. It's a rough draft because it's mm-hmm. like. It's not. It doesn't have the guile of the later games. It's, it's not hiding. Yeah, anything. it's yeah, and it's really unrefined. Like I, I said, like I was saying before, it's a really earnest game. It's like, super earnest. There's there's no like this is kind of a, a, th- a thematic thing I love about this. Just about every other Souls game or Soulsborne game is about a, the player being conned more or less. Like yeah, yeah, is about like oh well, you think you're supposed to do this, but you're not really supposed to do it. Or this, and there's like a little bit of that maybe in this, but not much. And it is kind of a bit more straightforward. Of these are a bunch of people who, you know, are dealing with this thing called down on them by someone else, and uh, and dealing with it however they can in like good or bad ways. And there's good faith actors and bad faith actors, and people kind of want different things. But it's not like you know Dark Souls, uh, which obviously I love too. Like it's. Uh, Dark Souls is very much like, oh, you think you're on this quest? Well, actually, you're being conned by these gods who are, like, you know, obfuscating this whole thing. Right. Uh, whereas Demon Souls is like, so there's this king, right? <laughs> and he goes and he's like, uh, I'm actually a pretty good king and stuff, but, like, I want, like, you know, prosperity and all this stuff, and I'm going to get into the soul arts, uh, which is magic using people's souls, and... Then he got just like so super powerful and 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 whatever he started getting into like forbidden knowledge shit, wah, wah. and yeah. uh, then he Not goes good. and awakens this old one, which is just called the old one, uh, and uh, and that unleashes this fog from whence these demons come forth, and people like are you know Bolteri is cut off from the rest of the world by this fog, and uh, the. Um, and so all these demons are there and people are like losing their souls. And when they lose their souls, they go hollow in ways that are really developed more in for in future games, uh, as far as like what that means to them on like on a personal level. Um, but uh, and so you're you're there and you're trying to kind of get this fog out of Boletaria. Yeah. Uh, and you have to go and get these arch demon souls. And that opens up this thing at the end and blah, blah, blah. And so. 
but like and that's kind of it like there's more to it than that but that's that's kind of the plot of it is well yeah and any more of the plot you get is sort of like by reading weapon uh details mm-hmm. or like by you know finding random npcs or whatever mm-hmm. i'm gonna let you i'm gonna let you get finish it because i think we're going to the same place with the plot so so that's really the plot but what else do you have to say about it well i think that like it um it's just a bit more like the way that it treats like kings and stuff in this game. Like it's a lot more human for lack of better words. Like it, we're not talking about gods, like any, like all the gods in this game are just alien figures more or less. Like the, like the God that a lot of these characters worship kind of is hinted to either not exist or it's basically the old one, or it's a God that just does not give a shit about people right? at all. But there's no like real personalities to them. Like, they're these divine forces that people are worshiping, you know, or not worshiping that are kind of far away or abstract or something. And, um, the, like the old one is like a very Lovecraftian kind of, uh, old one where it's just like, Oh yeah, it can give you all this power, but it actually just doesn't care about people at all. And right. several of the characters are motivated by either be- a belief in a God that is like loving and cares about people and like maybe has some like divine justice in store. Uh, but like several of them, including Al, uh, Alant and Astrea, who is just one of the most upsetting characters in the entire game. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. what happens with her um, is, you know, they uh, they're motivated by a discovery that, Oh, this God that I thought existed doesn't exist. And it either doesn't care or doesn't exist. And, that has changed me in some way and Mm -hmm. that's driven me to either to something really terrible that maybe i thought was a good thing so like spoilers but king allen he's trying to bring the the old one because he's seen just like humanity and gone like well it's all just suffering everyone you know just basically wants to die and so this old one that's going to come and you know bring all these demons in this in this fog uh, to, uh, across the world that's like mercy like i'm just you know deleting human suffering by this this is like right. the only way we're going to finally have peace is if we all and one of the things that that old king allen says at the very end that is so just heartbreaking to me if you kill him is you fool no one no one wants to go on something like that yeah um oh yeah it's, it's you fool don't you understand no one wishes to go on and it's the it's whole thing of so like, sad. You, it's so sad. And this game is a lot sadder than the other games. Um, there's no kind of like thing of like, oh, that someone's up to their old tricks again, or you're getting tricked by, there's no framped in this game. Right. You know, there's yeah, it's, no. Um, it's all yeah. just on the surface and you finally find out the motive at the end and it's just the most human and depressing and tragic motive. I mean, like truly this is a tragedy. Like the game is a tragedy. Um, it is everyone basically getting devastated and having to deal with that in some fat form or another and mostly falling apart. Like, And I, and I mean, Astra, or like Astrava, the, he kills himself because he finds out his father's a demon. Like he's going oh, through the whole shit, game. Yeah. And he's mm-hmm. just like, he's like, I got to get to my dad. Like my dad is Alan. Like I got to get there because mm-hmm. I'm the prince and that's what I need to do. And he gets yeah. there and he's like, you meet him in, in one four, like before you fight Alan. And he's like, He's just the demon now, like, you know, go mm-hmm. kill him, but I'm I'm done. 
and he, yeah. he kills himself. And it's like, oh, <laughs> that's brutal. Yeah. The, the, the pluckiest character in the game goes on this quest to save his father and then finds at the end that his father is not there anymore, basically. that Right. And he's this, like, you know, he believed in this kind of good that was somewhere there in the core of it, and it's just gone. Because the false King Allen, you know, it, it, that, that kind of last, you know, real boss you fight... There's this really powerful dude. Uh, he has a weapon that will just take levels off of you. Yeah, he just like, he can it will take away all your, your levels. levels. It's awful. Which is, which is unbelievably cruel. <laughs> um, but, um, and uh, he goes, yeah, and so, like, he, he's, uh, but, like, the, the whole thing is that, like, the real King Allen, his real father, is, you know, below the Nexus, kind of in the mouth of the old one that he kind of called forth. And he's this misshapen, sad frog blob of a person just like mutated by his proximity to all of this. And his sword is like grafted onto his like hand, like it's kind of in this blob and he tries to fight you. It's it's just the saddest thing. He's just kind of like, kind of like flopping towards you or crawling towards you, just kind of like swinging his sword. And I guess he can kill you, but like, you know, at that point in particular, you should make quick work of him. And, um, yeah. And as he fades out, he's basically like, Oh, you idiot. Like, don't you understand? Everyone wants to die. Everyone is miserable all the time and they just want it to end. And then you basically get the chance at the end, at the end of the game too, to like, if you want to follow through with that, you can then mm -hmm. kill, the the maiden in black and basically you become the new alan or you can let you can help her and let her finish it and then you get the Mm -hmm. good ending which is you know it's just like sort of a normal good ending one of the things i love about it is you don't get to kill the old one all she does is sing it kind of back to sleep right it never goes away yeah it you, you it never goes away like the best you can do is is put it to sleep and, and the old one, the old one is like it's the only place. I mean, the Shrine of Storms for sure, uh, but the old ones, like where the old one is, is the only place you, you, it feels truly natural. Like the the, it's this it's this almost like a beach scene. The old one is made of all these like twigs and sticks. And yeah, it's very, the, it feels like I don't know earthy. All of the other Souls games, their big bads are kind of these unnatural forces. There's these very human forces. So like in like Dark Souls, there's these kind of like, you know, petty, like grasping gods uh, who are trying to like hold on to their place and stuff and uh, and keep, you know, man or whatever from kind of attaining some sort of enlightenment. They, they want them to be under the thumb of the gods forever. And right. that's kind of basically the plot and so forth of all the Souls games in some form or another. And, uh, and they want to keep this cycle going so that they can draw power and they can still, you know, be gods in whatever vague sense that is. <laughs> um, but like, and then in Bloodborne, it's these invaders from beyond. It's very Lovecraftian. It's this, that, and like the church and stuff and like the way that they are taking these other things uh and and abusing people with them uh whereas like uh demon souls has that aspect of it because it's like a king who's awakening it and uh you know other people aren't making the decision to end all life you know (laughs) like it's the king going well 
I just think that this is the most merciful thing I can do. But the old one itself is this natural thing. You can't get rid of it. it it's just going back to sleep. It's made of twigs and dirt and trees and rocks. Yeah, I it's love clearly something that's that been thing. around. Yeah, it is just a part of the world in, in the way that's way older than anything you're doing. Um, and um, and Alan basically goes, we need to let this win and overtake us because we're miserable. Not like we're destroying the world or anything. Not like because we're harming this. It's just that we are all on this deep soul level just wanting to die because we're all miserable. Right. And I don't think that the, and I think that the game makes the point that that is not the case, but that is a danger. Um, the game, you know, it makes it really clear in like the crestfallen warrior, like guy. Oh like, yeah. What, like the game is about like succumbing to depression. It, Absolutely. It's about and he, he eventually the, disappears. I mean, he stops yeah. existing even as a spirit. Yeah. He gives up. Yeah. And and stuff, which is like, again, a simplistic way of looking at real problems like depression. But it is about um, getting to a place where you just feel utterly hopeless and what you do at that point. I think that's, again, one of those reasons why these games end up being really therapeutic for people who have depression, like clinical depression or PTSD or are grieving or something. Because they address that really head on in in a kind of a beautiful way that like. You know, like something like the Silent Hill games will deal with that a little bit, but it's in more kind of like an exploitative horror manner. Whereas yeah, this just lets this, you fill in the blanks. I mean, you you yeah. get to, you get bit to basically like figure out what it all means. It's like that. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it truly is like that. It's like that. It's like a good version of that XKCD comic where they're like, uh, you know, we're adults and we get to decide what that means or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't like that comic, but it's like this is like the good version of it where it's like, yeah, like the the whole point of this game is like you get a you get the very broad strokes of what is absolutely a horrible story. And like even even to the point where you talk to Ostrava in the Nexus and he's like, maybe we'll have new heroes in the new world like like you and and maybe me and like Mm -hmm. he's imagining this sort of like Lord of the Ringsy kind of thing and you never get it. Like there's a nope. I, I forget if you told me it or, or or someone else did, but like there's a story about Miyazaki reading uh, American fantasy novels in oh uh, and like just kind of half understanding them. Yeah, I've heard that around. I think it was like D and D manuals or something. Oh, that's actually, even better. Something like that. And it just yeah. made the sort of like broken but fascinating world, and it's a perfect way of understanding it. It's not comprehensive. Mm-hmm. There are all these yeah. things that you will never know. And like, mm-hmm. you know, like the you can read up on the lore. It, it's expect. I mean, it, it understands there's going to be an Internet community, but like mm-hmm. it's so it's so evocative and it gives you so much of a chance to just kind of say, OK, this evokes X for me. And it doesn't really matter what it evokes for anyone else, because it's clearly mm-hmm. just about me in this case. Yeah. And that's like what, like why I, one of the reasons I love this game is it's because it presents you with this like soul gnawing sadness. But mm. you meet so many people in the game that even if they're failing, are trying so hard just to survive, and yes. are trying again and again. And the game really does keep saying, "No, try again, try again." We're all rooting for you. By mm. the end, like. 
you've met a whole bunch of people who are like, I'm like really rooting for you. I hope that you never give up. Like they, and they bring that into other games. Like, you know, Solaire in Dark Souls has that like, you know, don't you dare go hollow yeah. type of thing. That is this really like wonderful moment of this other character understanding what hollowness means and going, no, like I, I can't let you do this. Like, please don't die. Mm-hmm. Please don't give up on me. And I feel like Demon Souls says, don't let them take yeah. it from you. <laughs> that kind of thing. Solaire is the kind of like, you know, it, it, like I, I feel like that's also like the feeling that you get through a lot of, you know, because it doesn't have that trickery aspect of it that Dark Soul does, where it's like, ah, but the hope you were kind of just being conned the whole time. Like, right. This one is really earnest and is like, no, like you are battling against someone who has decided that life is 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 so there's so much suffering that it's pointless to let anyone else go on and uh and all this endless disappointment that uh that these people deal with um and you kind of see a lot of the tragic ways like astrea for example so astrea is at the bottom of the valley of defilement which is again just one of the worst places ever depicted in a game oh it's so it's, awful it's so it's like everyone has the actual plague you catch the plague from like t- touching like almost everything. It's just raining constantly. It's like on a poisonous swamp. It kind of prefigures, like I said, a lot of Blight Town and then the, and then the gutter in Dark Souls too. But at the bottom of it, it was the saint, uh, this Mother Teresa esque character, who's just like, I'm going to go down and like help like this kind of like wretched of the earth as they call it, like in the game, like this like we're going to go and because like Valley of Defilement is a place for people who have been like discarded by society. But when you get down there, you find you find out that, like, um, you know, she discovered somehow that either I feel if it's like God doesn't exist or just God doesn't care like this. She's a saint and she discovers that God just doesn't give a shit or yeah, God right. doesn't exist. And so she and, decides that she has to take a demon soul in in order to um, better help people, because at that point, I mean, why not? Yeah. So she's at the bottom of this and like. But, I mean, obviously she's not helping anyone because the place is, like, the worst place on Earth. And, like, actually someone else, I think, in the, in that area is, like, yeah, things act, uh, like things were bad, but they got way worse when, that like, that witch showed up. Yeah. And stuff. So it's, like, what, like her attempts to make the world better by making this really terrible compromise driven by... Uh, this like this la- this lack of god this loss of her understanding of god um it ends up making the world way worse um you know even though, though she's kind of doing it for like selfless reasons um and it's it's really tragic because she's like when you meet her she's really of just a very sweet person who clearly cares yeah uh and stuff it, but it's this a, just it's, did it's not so work sad out. to kill her yeah and so you end up like fighting like her bodyguard Garl, and uh, he's uh, and, and he's, he's like, please, he's like, please just leave us alone, just leave us alone. And she's she like, and she's just like, leave us alone. But the thing about her is, <laughs> the way that they depict this is one of the great oh my god, what's been going on down here moments in games <laughs> because you walk, you get to the bottom of Blight Town, past this terrible like shanty town area that's just full of like hardest disease level and of the game f- flies. Yeah, it sucks. That is a not fun oh, place, but awful. like 
but I have a lot of fond memories of it having beaten it. Um, now I'm like, oh, how evocative it is. But at the time I was like, fuck this place. Um, <laughs> but like um, you get to the bottom and it's just this pit full of blood that gives you the plague. And there's these like little infant blood babies and like uh, yes, guys so like, gross. you know, weird like zombie like wretched dudes with like the plague like bowing down and worshiping her because she has a demon soul now and you just walk in and you're like oh god the, what have you been doing down here like this is the worst place on earth oh my god like i just remember thinking i'm like you've been i've been playing this game for like 25 hours you've been down here the whole time doing this like yeah this the, like demons the souls games are really really great at that because in dark souls you have that outside of nito's room where you're just like what the fuck has been happening down here yeah i didn't even realize i'm like i'm, I'm just clicking through lore pages now because i i love thinking about this but i didn't realize that because i didn't get cell in vinland because uh, i couldn't find her um but the um uh <laughs> apparently uh she's garl vinland's sister and uh you learn from her that the uh, Valley of Defilement used to be a dumping ground for aborted children. Ah, well, that what's going on there at the bottom makes sense. Yeah, that makes now, a little that's, more sense. That, that's horrific. Yeah, it's, um, it's horrible. Like, that's a... It, it is so, like, rarely in games, like horror games, where that they usually mean scary. Like, Dark Souls, like, Demon's Souls is legitimately horrifying. It's existentially like, horrifying, yeah. Yeah, it is, like... There, there are definitely like there are multiple places in that game that are literally like this is the worst place on earth. Like I cannot conceive of a worse place than this. Like Dark Souls, I think when you realize what you're standing on when you drain the New Londo ruins is close to that. Of yeah. like you look down and then you suddenly realize what you're standing on and it's this moment of like, oh my god, this is an unbelievable tragedy. Right. Like, that is so horrible that it's hard for me to wrap my head around if I'm really going to think about this game. This is so horrible. Whereas, like, yeah, Valley of Defilement and what happens with Estrella. So, like, Estrella, you eventually can either kill her or she'll just, like, off herself. And and she's 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 like, oh, yeah, are you satisfied? Are you happy? Basically, yeah, like, like, you came no. and, like, ruined it. I, I'm trying to help people. I'm ministering to them. And you're like, clearly this is a very twisted thing because this place is not getting any better. And all these all these people around you don't seem happy at all. And it just seems like... You know, the whole deep thing with the demons, like, souls, like, is they kind of bring forth, like, other demons. Like, this is not helping, necessarily. And she's just in her kind of very saintly garb, but just, like, half covered in, like, you know, her. it's like the bottom is just soaking up this horrible plague-ridden blood. Right. And, and it's, it's it's not like that's unlike any of the other religious people in the game, too, who, like you know, hate the, the witch you find, uh, Ur Uria, you, yeah. you, you find hate Uria, but you know, like, uh, uh, Saint, uh, uh, not Sage Frake. Um, uh, I know who you're talking about. I can't think yeah, of his name either. Um, I'm not going to think of it, but the, um, the, the sort of guy you buy miracles saint from. Guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. he's constantly like, he's like, bring me demon souls. It's the only way I'll be able to beat the demons. It's like, mm -hmm. Man, that is uh, that's not compelling, uh, and especially yeah. when you see Estrella. It's like it's super not compelling. <laughs> this yeah, is, this Estrella, is not good. 
Astraea sticks in my head so much. Like, there's so much of this. We could go on for, like, five hours on this game. Yeah, but, yeah. like, the, um, there's so much. Because we haven't even touched, like, Shrine of Storms. And we haven't touched, like, so much of what happens in Latria. We haven't even t- mentioned Stonefang, I don't think, yet. Like, mm-hmm. But, like, that bottom of... Yeah, we haven't. Um, That's probably my least favorite of the bunch, but... Still uh, really I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with it. It's just it's it's kind of it's it's a fun little cool level, but it's not like it doesn't have like Latria is this thing that everyone remembers their first go through it because yeah. it's such like it just seared into your brain and they do so many cool little things in that area. And Shrine of Storms is another just fun, cool place oh, that everyone so remembers cool. for being really hard and also being the best place to grind souls for a really long time in that game, uh, in that second one where the fucking Grim Reaper shows up. Yeah, um, shoot him with some arrows, grind some souls. I did that till the end of the game. Yeah, uh, I, I would do runs through 4-2 in, in that with like, hey, all the raids on and stuff. And yeah, yeah, those Grim Reapers, because like, they'll kill like all the things it summons so they're just like soul factories i love the grim reaper by the way kills you it can either actually hit you with a scythe or it can just point at you and shoot a thing and it just you just die like especially early on well that's i mean that's the grim reaper yeah that's what i love about it it's just like it's it's so but he's really slow he's really easy to get around like it's what you know another one of those things where the game is like ah check this cool thing out and you're like oh that is cool you know um, and that's right after the Adjudicator boss, which is the weirdest design boss in maybe any game I've ever played. He's this big, like, fat thing with, like, a sword sticking out of his oh, stomach. Oh, the Adjudicator is so gross. And he has a giant tongue that can whip you and, and, and a huge cleaver. But he also has a bird on his head. And you have to hit the bird. I, God, it is such a weird, weird boss. Um, but, like, anyway, but, like, just to wrap up on Australia, Australia, like... Australia and Old King Allant are what stick with me as these kind of, like, emotional cores of this game. Like, as far as just depicting this level of what people do with a world in which there is no, like, loving God, basically. Like, they're both motivated by these bad revelations about God of some sort. Like, and... Alan goes, well, okay, I'm going to become part of this demon in order to just end everything. Because right. deep down, he believes no one wants to live. Yeah, nothing's working all. and no one wants to live, right? Yeah, like, that we all should just die. Uh, and it's not even in, like, the, like, very, like, you know, it's not even in, like, the philosophical pessimism sense of, like, a lot of other... Uh, you know, it's not like the guy in True Detective or whatever who's just like, well, I think we're a mistake of evolution. <laughs> like, I feel right. like... Like, I feel like Alant and Demon Souls is more like, no, this is just like this deep, like sickness in our souls, like that. And it's sad. It's it's not like, oh, this is just an error. It's like, no, this is sad. This shouldn't be like this, but it is. Yeah. And it, it these are people who are like, these are people who want it to be better, who have like a genuine, genuine desire uh, to see things end well i mean it's not nihilism it's it's a it's a true it's not even twisted optimism it's just like i don't i don't even know how to describe it it's tragic optimism yeah it's um it's so it's so weird and um so good and like i like how a, a, um astrea she her her response to this is okay well i'm just going to become a monster myself and that's the only way I can do this. I'm going to, if if all that's left are monsters with no souls, I'm going to become the person who can minister to monsters with no souls. 
Right. And it doesn't work out, but that's her motivation is to say, well, if God doesn't exist, then I'll just become a demon uh, because there's only demons left. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, right. And just both of their ways of dealing with that kind of inner torment of like, oh, there's no God or there's no God that cares um, is in uh, in sharp relief with all the characters in the game that are just fighting to live. Like Stockpile Thomas mm. really wants to really loves his family. Yeah. And he misses and them, stuff. but he wants and, to live for them. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Uh, and um, you uh, and like, you know, like the crestfallen warrior, I think, kind of like fulfills this like this like triad between oh, Alent and Astrea is like the crestfallen warrior just looks at the world and gives up. And Which he does in every game. <laughs> yeah, that he's a, it's a running thing. Um, but like uh, and then Alent tries to take it and just unilaterally end it. And 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 causes all this pain and misery and suffering because he's like, well, I've just decided that's better for everyone. Whereas Estrella kind of basically becomes a monster herself because she's like, well, this is all I can do if the world really is this hopeless. Right. Um, yeah. And the people who want to go on find reasons to go on most of the time, aside from like the saints and stuff who are just completely like delusional. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, right. Um, exactly. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. The saints or the sages are just kind of like l- literally like a, uh, a, a religious and academic elite that can't. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, and you can see them yeah. coming in with the church in bloodborne too. They're very much like the church in bloodborne. I feel. Yeah. Um, uh, which I mean, but, you're going to have to come back on and talk about when I play it. Oh shit! Have Hazel on for that one too. Okay, Hazel's wow, got both some, of you some on. Ones. Man, that'd be crazy. <laughs> yeah, five-hour episode. Yeah, but, like, seriously. The, um, but yeah, so I think that like God, yeah, Demon Souls has has such a like the thing that they're fighting this like you know either finding out that God is the old God. I think Alant says that the true God created the old one, but a lot of other people seem to like. I think the magicians are like who do soul arts are like oh yeah the sages they worship this god but this like true god but what they're really worshiping that's just a fancy name for the old one Mm. like the old one it just represents this like natural part of the universe that is like there and you can't completely kill and you have to learn to live with and they have that whole nexus thing to make sure that it it you know stays put and they can kind of deal with it and build a you know build a life around it but once people come into that, into contact with it, they have to learn how to do it. And you just see that it just devastates most people and people have to learn how to, you know, survive and exist and reasons to not fade away, you know? Hmm. So re- um, realizing how to exist after coming into contact with an unknowable power uh, that lives deep in nature and is, uh, is not killable in and of itself. Um, mm. are we talking about demon souls or the uh, last half of uh, night in the woods here, folks. Whoa. Demon. Hey, listen, demon souls didn't win a BAFTA. Okay. But um, should it have? No, not probably not for it. <laughs> yes. But it's, I mean, it's brilliant. It's not, it, it should have won for something else. I don't know. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. if I would say like it, it had a script worth winning. Uh, but oh. what was, what was not written there? was uh uh-huh. was what, what what would win i think 
Yeah, that's not too. This is funny to because I'm I'm looking at my list of things that I was going to mention, and like I'm like, oh god, we could go on for like another five hours about literally. There's some we didn't talk about. Um, like off, a whole bunch. This is a good way to do it because we're we're definitely not going to get to them all because we're at two hours. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, list off the stuff that we didn't talk about just to give people uh, give give us a lightning round of stuff we didn't talk. About. Uh, okay, uh, the Fool's Idol uh, uh, being the the intro to the Souls games uh, obsession with the worship and ritual and religion of monsters. Okay. Um, Very like good. The, I, and I don't mean like the religion of monsters in the sense of like, Oh, like people are worshiping monsters. I mean, what monster, like when monsters go to church, what do they go to like, church for? Yeah. Yeah. And you, and you can see that in like the shrine or like whatever the deacons of the depths or whatever they're called in, uh, that whole area in Dark Souls 3 is like an entire church where like there's just like big dudes in suits of armor and monsters just like <laughs> in pews praying and stuff. I love it so That's much. That's sweet. There's that one. Uh, it was going. Uh, we didn't talk about patches at all. Uh, um, I mentioned that I liked his voice actor. Um, oh, yeah, that's true. Um, let's see here. Uh, the question of whether the old one actually has any, any, any intelligence at all. And what and what that means mm, for a question. game whose uh, whose big bads tend to be very intelligent and have yeah. schemes and stuff. Um, let's see here. Uh, the game's view of monarchs and the way that uh, that people's and in this one uh, specifically, their souls are used as currency by mm, them. Uh, that, nice. that gets displaced onto gods and stuff in the in the Dark Souls games who are kind of their own aristocracy. And in Bloodborne, it also happens with the church and uh and uh stuff like that um and uh the way that uh that the game talks about soullessness and how we can um if we wanted to we could make a connection between soullessness and general feelings of alienation from society because you have been turned into a commodity we could go down that path very nice there's there's a lot yeah being a good materialist there but like um Yeah, there's we could talk about how weird the soundtrack is and how the dragon god is kind of like the queen alien, but in dragon form. And it's awesome. Uh, so good. Character That's so design fun. Wise. So, yeah, fun. Um, it's it's so it's so good. Um, geez, what else? Uh, there's there's so much like the weirdness of the second level of Stonefang Tunnel. We are just going through like weird tunnels and there's sometimes big bugs and sometimes there's just little lights that come at you and explode. Uh, there's there's that um, all the weird like black soul and white soul tendency things that happen yeah. um what uh what else there, there's so much there's so much here in this game and it's such a jumble and like dark souls had this too they've been getting more streamlined since but like um dark souls had its own weird things like remember like the vagrant here did you ever run to a vagrant in dark souls like someone like leaves know. an item or it's like an item that's like cursed and wanders between different people's games i have never seen one no. i've just heard of it but that's like uh, yeah Go go look up Dark Souls Vagrant. You may have never seen it. I've never seen one in the wild before ever. No, never. Um, yeah. So like uh, all all this stuff, uh, the 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 old like he, the, the world building. We barely talked about the world building of like when you like in Shrine of Storms <laughs> and like the the idea of like okay, who's the old hero, the the blind uh, guy that comes after you, uh, who I love his boss fight. He's pretty easy once you get the hang of it, but like. 
you know, and like the room, like all the other rooms that are like the one that Maiden uh, Estrella is in that are just like, what the hell is happening here? Like, what is going on? Like that place near the end of, of, of Shrine of Storms uh, 2 before you fight the old hero. And it's just this room with these like these like soul bits hanging around these giant slugs that are like like that are like glowing and they're like eating, like feeding on the souls and those like little exploding soul <laughs> things that are zooming around and there's a bunch of dead bodies. And you're like, what the fuck is this? Why is the Grim Reaper here too? You guys should play that, this game. Um, That's what I'm saying. What we're saying. So it's so good. I, it's one of the few games where I'm like, like there's a dark souls remaster coming out and I'm like, all right, I'll play dark souls again, whatever. But I played that game so many times. It's been kind of done to death. I feel like, mm-hmm. um, as sure. much as I love it and, it, and and you should go play it if you haven't played it. Cause dark souls is amazing in its own level. I think every bit as good as this game. Um, I put them about on par with each other for different reasons. Yeah, I would, agree but like, that. um, Oh god, we didn't talk about like the weird side quest, like how you get Yuria the witch out yep. of uh, out of jail. Like that is that is so like nothing else in the game works like that. It is such a weird, long ass, convoluted thing to go rescue. You have to go, you have to put on a hat. Yeah, and to you have to trick some someone. Dudes. <laughs> yeah, you have to trick like nowhere else in the game do you have to do that. We didn't talk about that. We didn't talk about any of the like like convoluted way. We didn't. We oh the first um. Uh, appearance of the crow, shiny the crow. Yeah, where shiny the crow comes from. Uh, you know, and and all there's there's just so much here. Uh, it's it's a really rich, interesting, weird game. And if you come into it going, oh, I want like as like smooth and streamlined and as like balanced a design as the other Souls games, you're, you're gonna not, not get that. like it as much. Yeah, it is. You're not. It's sloppy and like um. Uh, it's, uh, it's jagged and it doesn't like some areas are better than others, but like, I think it's beautiful and it's earnest and it has so much to say in, in a way that it just wears its heart on its sleeve in ways that other, uh, souls games do occasionally. But this one is just right out there. Like it is the, like the first album where they're still like, you know, like, wow, this is really earnest type of thing before they kind of learn how to, you know, maybe you don't have to go for, you know, <laughs> broke every single song. You don't have to say everything you want to say in every song. We love but, like, that you did for is, one album, but yeah, that kind of thing. Like it got more nuanced and it got more sophisticated, uh, you know throughout but like dark soul like demon souls is like has this weird purity to it it's like you're just like getting it pure yeah um but for better or for worse and sometimes it's for worse but like um i i have this deep deep affection for this game that i don't have for many for many games like you know like you've had me on like a couple times to talk about games and like this and kentucky route zero are like part of like the handful of games that i'm just really have this like very like this strong heart for yeah um you need to have me on for a game that i just kind of think is okay okay well uh, we'll have you on next time for uh mark echoes uh what is that getting up yeah getting up yeah yeah, we'll have you on for that oh please do an episode about that like (laughs) i've never played it it'll be great one of those like one of those weird uh, games that was from that era, that era when like it was pre-crash, so like the, uh, three pre-economic crash when it was like not pre-crash the games industry. No, no, post-post post-crash pre-crash, yeah. Um, but like that whole era when E3 was at its most orgiastic and. They were like flying games journalists out to like, you know, go for a, like a weekend survival camp to like, you know, promote Far Cry or something <laughs> like 
there was so much money just being flo- thrown around. So, yeah, of course, Mark Echo had a video game. It was a better. It was world. a Fight Club game. There was a Fight Club fighting game where Fred Durst was a playable character. Fifty Cent got two games. That's right, man. And he should have had three. <laughs> Blood on the Sand's pretty great. <laughs> you know, Fifty hit that ramp. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you for being on. This was a blast. I'd ask if we missed anything, but we missed so much. Um, uh, yeah, no, we, 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 and yeah, we barely cracked the surface. Of uh, this game. Go play Demon Souls. Uh, anything else people should know? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. I think uh, that's it. Uh, all right. uh, Bethany and I are, uh, who are two thirds of the people who are the core team of Night in the Woods are working on a, a new game, but you're not going to hear about that for a long time. Uh, and, Alec Haloka, who is uh, the other third of the team, is working on, like, three games. And I'm sure they're all going to be awesome. Man, that guy's always working. Yeah, but you're not going to hear anything about that for a long time, too. So just go play Demon Souls. Yeah, no, go play go play Infinite Falls' new game, Demon Souls. Yeah, yeah, it's a BAFTA-winning Demon Souls. I'm, I'm, I'm throwing in the BAFTA thing. Just like no one like else I know Do cares it. that we won a BAFTA. I'm gonna so, I'm gonna like, I'm, I'm gonna I'm, call this BAFTA winning uh, uh you know <laughs> today's BAFTA winning episode yeah, right. of No Cartridge. We discussed the BAFTA award winning Demon Souls, um <laughs> BAFTA like uh yeah. So I, I'm I'm milking it here because like no one like if you walk up to like anyone on my street and you're like, Well, we won an IGF award, they're like, well, What's that? I'm like, It's for independent games, they're like, What's an independent game? And I'm like Oh, okay. Well, it's a thing you should be very impressed by. And then, yeah. like, uh, then I'm like, I BAFTA, and they're like, well, "What's that?" I'm like, "It's from the British. They gave us an award." And it's like, "What's it? What does that mean?" It um, means the yeah, British no think we're smart. That means yeah, we're definitely it, it, bright. I did well, think Faro that like, gave it to us. I, I'm usually pretty like eh, about awards, but the BAFTA did kind of mean something. Because, and I realize it is just because I was like, "But the British gave it to us, and they're very sophisticated." Okay. <laughs> um, hey. I mean, they, they tend to sell pretty difficult to parse jokes. That's true. Yeah, it's not That's it's true. not not easy. So I, you know, what I hear mm-hmm. it. You know, I I'm glad I'm glad they like you just as much as we do here. <laughs> thanks, America. <laughs> <laughs> on behalf of America, thanks. Um, all right, man. We'll come on again soon. It's always a pleasure. Um, we'll see uh, you again. Thanks in two for weeks. having me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, you're welcome. Well, no, absolutely. My my pleasure, 100%. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you all soon. Bye.